Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, the 11th of April. I'm lucky to be here by the skin of my teeth. I don't know where she was driving this morning. We were going all over the place. I mean, at one point, we started heading for Roehampton. I said, excuse me, where are we going? I said, go left. And then, and then we came to the flyover at, at, um, at Chiswick. And she didn't want to go over the flyover. I said, go over the flyover. Oh, but it's quicker this... No, I said, of course it's not. Go over the... That's what the flyover's there for. And then we get to the Hammersmith flyover. And she says, over or under... Under the, we're going into London. What are you talking about? God, blimey, I tell you. I want to go. And you know when you say to somebody, "Drop me just here," they just stop there, as opposed to sort of pulling in. So we stop in the middle of the road. I don't know where they get people from nowadays, honestly. Perhaps it's a, a work experience team. Anyway, nice to be company on the program this morning. Uh, the carers, fifty-one thousand pound fraud. Kids getting the chop from Chef Ramsay's fortune. And Nessie hit by a UK snub. Oh dear. Also, they caught a shark. They went fishing the other day off the coast of Cornwall, obviously hoping to catch, I don't know, something. And um, they weren't banking on a shark, let me tell you. And they pulled in the shark, and the the headline is, I think we're going to need a bigger boat, which I like. What's the best view in the United Kingdom? This one. This is the best view in the United Kingdom, I think. Uh, Tom Jones has put his home up for sale. Six million. You get a lot in America, in Beverly Hills, for six million, let me tell you. Over here... The, that's why whenever it says to me, oh, somebody's bought a luxury, luxurious house in America, you think, but his home is huge. It's got a big swimming pool. The, the views are tremendous, and it's only six million. I mean, seriously, you get a lot. You get a lot of bang for your bucks, as they say. Uh, the 15 kittens dumped in the street in a suitcase. They're so adorable. Luckily, they've been found homes, which is lovely. I don't like to think of ki- I mean, luckily, they're all still alive, thank God. Uh, 50,000 foreign students, you know, they, they finish doing their uh, so-called studying. Many of them, of course, are fraudulent, as you know. And, uh, and then they just stay here and they just melt into the system. Nobody sort of checks them. Nobody gets them back out of the country again. Very odd, isn't it? The spice addicts taking over the city centres. It's a drug. And uh, lots of people take it. They've got pictures of people falling over. You know, we have to waste the NHS services. Uh, by going out and trying to keep these people alive who are slumped all over the place. I mean, I just cannot understand the appeal of drugs. Uh, they, apart from the fact it's a terrible waste of money, it's a case of, why would you want to put something in your body? You've got no idea how it's made, how it's created. What's, you don't even know what the ingredients are. You really don't. Actually, talking of uh, how do you know things, I can spot a shoplifter a mile off. I walk into M&S yesterday in Twickenham, as I'm prone to do most days, and um, and the moment I saw him, I knew he was shoplifting. I could tell. Young man, he obviously lives locally, and I'll explain why in a minute, and he's he's got a bag with him. In the bag, he's got some cleaning items, which he might have shoplifted from somewhere else, but he's got a bag, and the reason he's got the bag is so he can put stuff in it. So he's he's walking round, and I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking... I know you're thieving. I know, I absolutely know you're thieving. I'm fatally attracted to these people who thieve. And um, he's quite smartly dressed. You know, for, for a kid, he probably could have been about 20, 22, something like that. He could have been a student. And, um, and he goes around, he picks up some things, and he looks at a few other little bits and pieces. And what these people do is they, they sort of hold stuff in their hands, so it looks like they're going to the till. They walk behind an aisle, and they just drop it into their bag. You know, this stuff isn't marked. There's no sort of alarms that are going to go off. And uh, he takes bacon 
and he takes eggs, and he's taken a few other little bits and pieces. So he's obviously living locally because he's got to cook this stuff. You know, he isn't just going in there, you know, as a homeless person, nicking a sandwich, something you can eat straight away. He's nicking stuff that he cooks. And he then wandered out. Bold as brass, he walked straight out of the door. I saw him, and I thought, he's gone behind. He's putting the stuff in the bag, and sure as God made little apples, he thieved. And he walked straight out the front door, straight over the road and headed down. I mean, he might have been a college student. I don't know. I wasn't sure if he was or not. I, I should. And then I said to, because I know quite a lot of the staff in there, I said, he's just walked out with a load of gear. But I bet you anything he shops or shoplifts on a regular basis. They never just do it the once, do they? But uh, he, was, he was reasonably confident. But he just put the stuff in his bag. I've seen people do that before. Mothers put stuff in the actual trolleys, uh, not the trolley, the uh, the baby buggy things, and then conveniently forget to sort of take it all out, which is a bit embarrassing. Or failing that, they'll sort of open up a packet of crisps and give it to a kid, or a packet of biscuits or something like that, and uh, and let the kids eat it as they go around. They don't declare it, they just put it down. To, that's why the shop prices are so blooming high. People nicking all the time. Uh, what else do we have? Um, the... Um, I didn't see University Challenge, but they had a guy on there who's made all the papers today, so I'll tell you about him a little bit later on. Uh, the fitting farewell, that uh, funeral. There's always one kid, is it? And I, don't, I can't quite work it out. He's only a little lad, and they photographed him. He's in all the papers, and he gets interviewed on the television because he's dressed up as a policeman. And you sort of think, do, do parents take their kids out and go, you know, dress up as little Bo Peep or something? And somebody will drive sheep over Waterloo Bridge or something like that. Because it is, it's terribly difficult, isn't it? You know that that's going to be the picture. He doesn't know what death is. He doesn't understand that, that kind of thing. They don't know these sort of things, children, do they? They just, they just know it's not the same as it was before. And he probably just wondered what it all was. So they dress him up as a, as, as a policeman. And he gets his picture. I, I see it as being slightly odd, I'm afraid. Cressida Dick was interviewed as well. Uh, she is the right person for the job. And she's taken a pay cut. £40,000 pay cut she's taken. So, uh, you know, I think she'll do a brilliant job. Brilliant job. 84850 steve at Also, the new editor of Vogue is a man. I know we, should, we shouldn't be surprised in this day and age. You would have assumed it would have been for, uh, for a woman. Uh, but no, it's gone to a man. He'll be telling you what to wear. If you're one of those people who read, who reads Vogue. But I think the majority of people don't read Vogue. It's for it's for a different set of people. You'll probably find it in in sort of classy shops and stuff like that. I don't think that Mr. and Mrs. Average are going to be picking up a copy of Vogue anytime soon. It's like I've never bought a copy of Vogue. I've seen the magazine quite clearly because it's been around for a long, long time. Uh, also, what's what's finished on the high street? Jaeger. Jaeger's finished. I think it was Jaeger, isn't it? Is that? Did you read that? That the, sorry, the di- Jaeger, the the what? The digestive. No, the clothing firm. Where do we get them? The clothing firm. It's gone into administration. I'm pretty certain. Without a, you thought Jaeger bomb as well. I'm surrounded by people who drink. What's going on here? You know, he was 32 the other day. It was his birthday. So old. Of course, we're not allowed to mention it. Oh, sorry, 25. 25, aren't we? I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to mention it. Why are you so funny about your age? You wait, I'm do, I'll do the papers when I, when I consider I'm doing the papers, not when you tell me. Pfft. You're under the misapprehension that you're the producer of this programme. <laughs> Let me tell you. I'm not doing them at all now. I shall not do the papers for the whole programme. <laughs> what will we fill it with? Oh, God, we've got a load of ideas. Uh, also, seven death row inmates are going to die in ten days. Why? Because the stuff that they use to kill them 
It's going to run out at the end of the month. The sell-by date is the end of the month. It's really bizarre. And so ten people are going to be executed. Admittedly, they are murderers. Uh, they are people who have committed heinous crimes, and that's why they've got the death penalty. But because they've got to use up all this stuff, which is... Is it sodium pentothal, or was that something else? I can't remember. Perhaps that was the truth drug. They've got these seven inmates on, on death row, and they will be... They will be administering it because they've already been passed for execution. Uh, Also, United Airlines, they had a bit of a problem. And the problem was in America, not here at all, um, is that they oversell a flight. You know, there are people, and I I wasn't aware of this until some years ago, uh, every flight going out of London will be booked. There will be a a businessman, say say it's me or Mike or whatever, and you will you don't know when your meeting's going to finish in London, so you book a seat on every flight going out of London, so that you know if the worst comes to the worst and you miss that flight, you're booked onto the next one anyway. So and they're, and they're called sort of vacant passengers because they only exist on paper. So a regular businessman would book for a flight. So because you would always work on the assumption that the flight is never going to be full. There's always going to be seats on it. Unfortunately for United, this was a flight that was overbooked. Because you, you work on no-shows and things like that. This one was overbooked. So the plane is packed. And they need to get people off. OK? Don't ask me how this works, because I'm just thinking about this now in my mind. So why would they take people off if they're sitting on the plane? Why don't the people... Anyway, whatever it, whatever it did, they offered people a cash incentive. This is quite normal. They'll say, listen, we're looking for people to come off the flight, because there are certain people who want to go on it. We're offering, in this case, I think about 640 quid. Plus, we will put you up in a hotel... And we will, you know, you will get your destination. Well, of course, I'd be off the plane like a shot. Nobody moved. Nobody moved. Nobody said a word. And so they said, well, listen, we have to offload some people. So we'll have to do it uh, randomly generated by the computer. So they randomly generate. And this bloke gets picked to leave his seat. Well, he's not going. He's, they have to drag him off the plane. He's screaming and everything else. I mean, really, very amateurish behaviour from both sides, I think. Uh, but that's what they do. So he's screaming. And you can see it. It's on YouTube. It's gone viral. It's not done United any, any big favours. It's made him look a bit silly. The, the reason is, he didn't want to go for the flight. He's a doctor. And he was going to do some operations or something like that. But then, you know, just do them a bit later on. It was the screaming as they drag him off the plane. I mean, you can only laugh because it can only happen uh, on an American Airlines thing. It's, it's not, you know, you're not going to be reading about that in this country, are you? Unless people start complaining about the fact that BA are going to drop the in-flight meals and stuff like that. I quite like the, the flying process. I get bored, though. I mean, I really do get bored flying. It's not very exciting. I love the takeoff. That's like, woo, it's better than sex. Um, <laughs> well, I always think so, anyway. You sort of sit there and, and you get to the end of the runway... And you think, go on, put your foot down. You know, it's, it's like sort of trying to run away at the traffic lights in, in your car, beating everybody else. And, uh, and, so, and then all of a sudden you think, I'm sure he's got an accelerator. He just pushes it. And this thing hurtles down the runway. And I've never understood in a million years how it takes off. I mean, seriously. You know, it's very heavy. And they've got food on board and everything weighs a lot, you know. And, but they, they take off. And then all of a sudden it takes And then you go, mm, and you have to swallow, don't you? I always have a little uh, little sip of my water. I love it, though. And then you get up in the sky, and then you just sit up there, don't you? And it's a, it's a teeny bit boring. Very dull. Very uninteresting. And then you sort of think, I always go, how long is this flight? Nine hours. Oh, God, let's go to sleep now. And so that's what I do on planes. I sleep. I sleep. As long as I've got my bottle of water, 
When I flew Virgin last time, um, they, they sort of wake you up with a toasted sandwich, toasted ham and cheese, which was delicious. That's just what you need when you wake up, isn't it? Because you wouldn't make it yourself. But the airlines sort of, you know, give you this. And we had a little tub of ice cream as well. And that was delicious. It was all delicious. It was lovely, actually. But that's what they do. So people book all these seats on the flight. And then they have to sort of get people off it. So they can free it up for other people who sort of paid extra or whatever. But uh, as I say, this has gone viral. I don't know what it comes up as on YouTube. Man ejected from flight, I should imagine. They drag him out. I mean, you didn't say anything like it. A little bit, little bit dramatic, isn't it, I thought? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Well, you're pretty nice to have your company. Uh, somebody says he was screaming because he was assaulted. They wanted him off the plane. They wanted him off the plane. They had to drag him out. You know, that was why it is he was assaulted. The security slammed his face in the armrest. You can see the damage done to his face at the end of the video. I know, but it's America. Come <laughs> on. Why are we surprised? Why are we su- I'm never surprised by anything. Never surprised by anything I read nowadays. You're getting off the plane. No, I'm not. So they drag him out. I mean, I should imagine it's probably not that easy to drag somebody off a plane, is it, really? You know, because the seats, uh, they're just very difficult to get hold of. I've watched, I mean, even the police, when they're dealing with drunks out, when they do these um, these police programmes, which I'm addicted to. And um, but I just wish they'd stop repeating the things. Make loads of new ones, please. I want to see more people driving around Slough, arresting people. Have you got a licence? Uh, yeah? Where is it? It's a provisional. You know it's a provisional. And they do it in Australia. We have the Australian police and the New Zealand police programmes. They make exactly the same thing. And in Australia, they've got more drunks than you can shake a stick at. All these kids go out into these little towns at night, you know, it's a bit like a town called Alice. And they get drunk and then they row and they do everything else. And, and they're all very gobby. And all very fat, I've noticed. There's a lot of fat people over in Australia. And all the kids know it all, don't they? So what are you doing out in the car? I'm driving my mates around. But you don't have a licence. Apparently, the licence over there, if, if, depending on what sort of licence you've got, his only permitted him to drive one other person. He had four people in the car, and uh, so he got fined for that. It was about $600 he was fined. I don't know what the dollar ratio to England... Oh, by the way, I got my money back yesterday on my horse. I got uh, £15. Which is all right, better than nothing, isn't it? I spent a lot more than that, but it doesn't matter. I'm, I don't, I'm not in the business of trying to make money out of things. But anyway, so I watch these police programmes. <laughs> I'm determined not to do the papers yet. I, um, uh, and, and I watch them doing it, and they, they get these people, and they go, so do you have a licence? Yeah. So they show them the licence, and they go, this is a provisional licence. This is a little toy town licence. You're lying. And by the way, it's just turned out that you're wanted on licence, which is something else you'd done, some other misdemeanour. And you think, these people are really dumb. These people are even dumber than the people we've got here who drive around. You've got a licence? No. Yesterday, day before yesterday, Sunday, what day was it? Uh, we got a lot of traffic around Twickenham for some reason. So we're all sitting on the bypass. This scooter hurtles through all the traffic straight over two sets of red lights. Straight over. No, just had a passenger sitting on the back. She looked a bit stupid. And you think to yourself, you were dead lucky there wasn't a car coming in the opposite direction because you'd be dead by now. Absolutely. Really terrible. Really terrible. But as I say, if you'd be in a police car, you might have probably managed to get through. But little people on scooters, they always do that, don't they? Terrible. 51,000 kids can't join the Scouts as the vetting rules put off volunteers because you've got to be vetted to work with children. Uh, I went to... The other day, I went... Where did I, yeah, I went to, to the Magic Circle. They have a, a, magic, they have a junior Magic Circle. Uh, but I'm not allowed in the room because I've not been vetted. 
you know, so the people working with them have to be vetted. You have to you have to get a like sort of a license. It's like, you know, the majority of children's entertainers are supposed to have them if you're working with children. Obviously, people slip through the net. But so I wasn't allowed to go into the room where they were because you've got to be vetted. And so that's it. And because people want to join the scouts, they they can, but they haven't got people to look after them. There aren't enough volunteers out there. And the volunteers are going, well, I've got to be vetted. Of course you have. You're working with children. Years ago, we never would have worried about that, would we? We never would have thought about, oh, right, so Stephen's off, you know, for a swimming lesson. And the, uh, and the person who's teaching him swimming. You never th- we never thought like that. I don't think I ever thought like that. Did anybody else listening think like that? Of course not. Why would you? It's only now when you sort of open up the papers and you read about the football clubs who've had pervert coaches who are teaching boys how to kick a football around. Well, I never thought about it. It never even crossed my mind. I mean, luckily, I didn't do anything like that as a child. But now we're more aware of it, aren't we? So, you know, if somebody's sort of running a a group which has got children in it and they're having access to children, you have to check people. They've got to be vetted. It's as simple as that. Uh, The carers, £51,000 fraud. It's another one of these thieving little toe rags who crawls out of the the woodwork. Uh, Nessie. It's been hit by the UK snub. And the other thing, I was telling the producer earlier on, he said, oh, Gordon Ramsay's not going to give his kids any of his money. It's worth about 130 million, 130, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's, it's whatever it is, it's serious money. It's serious money. And uh, he said that he's not going to give the kids money, which seems fair enough as far as I'm concerned, because he's worked for that money. They should, you know, they've had a great start. They live in a lovely house. Uh, they have lovely food. They go on lovely holidays. And it's a case of, You've got to work. Every time you see a picture of Brooklyn Beckham, he's down as budding photographer. Well, for the last ten pictures I've seen, no camera anywhere in sight. So it's just a load of old hooky, isn't it, really? Okay, so what can we call him? Uh, Oh, let's call him budding photographer. Budding nothing. Budding nothing at all. And so that's why. I think Paul McCartney's done the same thing. He said that he's not going to give the kids money. He's worth about 700 million, uh, give or take a few, few million quid. And he said because he wants them to make their own way in the world. They've had nice houses to live in. Again, nice cars. They've had all sorts of things. And you think to yourself, well, of course people should go out there and work for a living. I said to the producer, I said, you know, he said that he'd be taking left, right and centre. You know, because he's that sort of person. Because he, he sort of thinks, you know, if you find somebody who's... Re- I mean, all he wants to find is a, is a very, very good-looking girl with loads and loads of money and a heart problem. You know, that's the kind of thing he's sort of looking for. Because it's, it's money. we're all motivated by money, aren't we? Somebody, somebody will write into me and say, why do you do the, the job that you do? And I go, well, A, because I love it. I love it to death. I can't think of anything nicer, a nicer way to earn a living. And B, it, it pays kind of good. And so how can you not like it? How can you not like it? I mean, I used to, we, years ago, we used to have what we used to call uh, work experience. I think there's another name for them now. They might call them interns or something. But anyway, years ago we had uh, work experience, and these were people who wanted to work in radio. We have a college now. Global have the Global Academy uh, out at out at Hayes, and you can go there and you do the courses and you'll be taught by people who are in the business, not people outside of the business, but people in the business. And um, And you sort of think to yourself... We used to have all these work experience and most of them were very good. They had to, the, the reason they were taken on is because they had to have an interest in radio or they wanted to go into radio or they were on a media related course. And I can remember all they, we, we used to set them, um, we used to set them a task in the morning because I go through the papers and what all they had to do was we gave them the set of papers and they said, can you cut the papers for Steve? 
OK, and all it means is they would go through the papers, they would find stories that they thought would would appeal to me, and they cut them out. Now, I can go through the papers, and I can probably come up with, in an average morning, around 40 stories. 40 stories that I think people are going to want to talk about, or they've got an opinion of, or they just want to go, oh, right, I never knew about that. And so I remember, and that was what we would do. So by the time I came in, in theory... Uh, they should be just coming to the end of cutting the papers. And we gave them a set. I have a complete set of papers every day. And um, and we had one guy come in, and this this quite clearly was not the job for him. He didn't really... I don't think he was interested, because he cut the papers, and having been through all of them, four stories. Four stories was all he cut. And I can remember saying to him, is that all you could find, four stories? And he went, yeah. And he just sat there staring into the distance. There was no motivation. And the one thing you've got to have in this business is motivate. You've got to enjoy doing it, because if you don't enjoy doing it... And sometimes, you know, the producers, they have, they've got far more work than I've got to do. I've just got to sit here and be entertaining and get a big audience. You know, not too difficult for me. And you, and you sort of do that. But they, they've got other things to do. They've got sort of programmes to edit, get the podcast ready, name the podcast, sing the podcast, play the podcast. And uh, they'd have to do all these different things. I just have to turn up. The paper. I mean, this morning I said to the producer, I said, can you go and get the papers? Because they were late in. So I was doing something else in a, in a studio, and he toddles off and gets the papers and then takes them all out and puts them all out on the desk. Yeah, But that, but he, he does get paid for it. There's no sort of... He's not doing it for free. And he likes it. Where else would he be? Nowhere. Working in a bar in Earl's Court, ladies and gentlemen. That's where he'd be. He wouldn't be anywhere else. He'd be sort of, you know, somewhere where there would be sort of booze and women. And that would suit him down to the ground. That would be the, that would be the ultimate job for him. But he doesn't want to dress up for it, so you couldn't put him in a shop or anything like that. I mean, he, he, he could be quite happy working behind a bar. I should imagine over his, his, his life, he's probably worked in a few bars, I should imagine. Because it's a great way to meet people. People always say to me, you come into London, and London is big. London is big. If you don't have, you know, money in London, there's not really a lot you can do. You have to sort of get out there and earn money and find something that, that pays well. And uh, working behind a bar does not pay well. It really isn't. But it's a great way to meet people. You meet more people, especially if it's a bar. I mean, I'm not sure how transient the, or the, uh, the customers are in pubs in London, whether you get regulars in the pub. You might get regulars in the pubs. I don't know, actually. I should imagine Darren probably goes into a pub on a regular basis and perhaps the barman might recognise him from the day before and go, oh, hi, the usual. That's, that, that's, sort of, that's a sign of you're obviously drinking too much, isn't it, when you go in there and the barman goes... Usual. You go, yeah, thank you. I get the same in Starbucks. I go in there, they go, usual, Steve. I go, yes. In fact, actually, if there's a queue, they make my my drink. So by the time I actually get to the end of it, my drink is there ready for me. I mean, that's that's what you call arriving, as it is. But uh, no, so if, if you want to get into the business and you're, you know, difficult for older people, I have to be honest, it's very much a young person's business because you're looking to, for a career, in radio, but there's probably loads of people over the age of 40 or 50 who would love to be in radio, who would love to work in radio, but it, it's, it's very much dominated by, you know, people like sort of Mike's age, 32, 33-ish, something like that. Oh, he's shaking his head again. I love it when you can wind him up, actually. It's always very entertaining. <laughs> he hates this ageing process. He's not, he's not doing well with it at all. He said, you mustn't mention it. So the producer yesterday named the podcast after him. Which really annoyed. Nothing to do with me, although I got it in the neck this morning, as you can imagine. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Oh, the things we worry about. 28 minutes to five. It's nice to have your company. Uh, Steve, uh, the police interceptor show, uh, shows they're always let off with a caution. It's so annoying. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Uh, I mean, I do enjoy watching it. I mean, the trouble is, they have to be quite nice, the police. 
because they're on camera and they're under scrutiny. I tell you, some of the stuff they have to put up with, you feel like saying to the cameraman, turn the camera off. (laughs) (laughs) Don't talk to me like that, you bit of pond life. I saw a a chap in a mini Tesco stuffing copious amounts of packed meat down his elasticated ankle tracksuit bottoms. And uh, when I told the staff, they said, yeah, he's always in here. Well, I told you, didn't I, about my famous story of a woman uh, whose husband works away from home. We know that because the staff told told me. And um, she was thieving meat from Marks and Spencer's. She got a kiddie in a, in a push chair and another little kiddie. And what she was doing, she was putting it under the hood of the of the chair. And I watched her and I thought, she put sausages in there and steak. And I thought, how bizarre. And then she gets to the checkout and she picks up a baguette. And that's what she pays for. She pays for the baguette. And she has a little chat with the staff. And I said to one of the guys, I said... She's got steak and sausages in the pushchair. Because I can't... I'm strangely drawn to these. Don't ask me why. Seriously, it drives me mad. I have to look the other way sometimes. And um, and he said, you sure? I said, absolutely. Put money on it. So they stop her outside the shop. And, of course, she had. She'd thieved it. And she blamed the daughter, the little kid on the on the little scooter thing, for putting it in there. I mean, a, a tow rag of the worst kind. And so, anyway, I think the police were called and all the rest of it. And I think she was arrested. And I was talking to one of the girls behind the till and she said, she said, but she's in here every day. I said, yeah, she's thieving every day. That's what she's doing. She's, she's chatting away to you because you go, oh, if it's somebody who's sort of, you know, you think is your friend or somebody it's an acquaintance you know of, they're the people who are thieving. I sit all the time. I, I seriously, but I, yesterday with this bloke, I, for the moment I walked in there, he's looking at food. I thought, you haven't got money for this. You absolutely don't have money. And he was so brazen, he walked out. So I bet if he's in there today... I'm going to point him out to the staff. I'm going to go, it's him. The thief is back. Great, isn't it, really? So that's why on, the, on these police interceptor programmes, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd love it. I would have a field day. Unfortunately, though, I would be, I would be the kind of person who goes, uh, not this. What did we have the other day? We had two women, two old, let's just call them soaks, shall we? And they were in a kebab shop and they start, they're drunk, quite clearly, because you very rarely get sober people in kebab shops, as the owners will tell you. And, um, and they started a fight and started throwing food around. So the staff poured bottles of Coca-Cola over them to stop them. Made them worse, as you can imagine, because you never get that out of your hair. And then some woman said to them, why don't you just pick your stuff up and get out? And they started on her. What did they get? Suspended sentence. You see, we're, I think we are too easy now. So, you know, people get away with literally murder. You can get away with things. And they go, suspended sentence, uh, two years, suspended for six months or whatever happens to me. And you think, no, send them to prison. I would be the hanging judge. I would be the one <laughs> saying you will be taken from here to a place of execution and there hanged by the neck until dead. Although, I don't know why they say that, because it's fairly instantaneous anyway. But we don't have the death penalty in this country. So what we need to do is build more prisons. And put people in there. You've got to teach people a lesson. I mean, the stories in the papers today, you know, you think to yourself, you know, people who've committed the most awful crimes against other people. And they go, suspended sentence or find a little bit of money. You think, no, 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 no. No, if it's if it's crime, then you have to go around the house and you take everything from their house. You take the television. Unless you've got, you've got a receipt for it. No, that's out. The car, HP. No, good, we're having that. Take it all. So we get the money back. Much easier. Uh, 84850, Steve. At LBC, Waj is uh, locked in on the app, live at four. It doesn't, kind of, doesn't kind of rhyme, does it really? Live, It should be live at five, but it isn't. I mean, we are live at five, but live at four doesn't... Uh, I don't know. Four gives you more, I think. I don't know, actually. I'm trying to think about that. 
I said to the producer, am I working with you tomorrow? And he said, yes. You could tell by his, by his, by his face and his demeanour that he's slightly disappointed by the fact. He was, you were hoping for sort of somebody a bit more interesting, weren't you? Who could talk about, you know, Islam and different things like that, which I know nothing about. Thank the Lord. Uh, also, uh, somebody says here... Uh, oh, wait a minute. Somebody else talked about these. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one who does these... Um, these interceptor shows on the television. Because I love it, but I, I tell you, who would be a policeman? Who would be a policeman for the abuse that you get out there and the danger, as we, as we showed yesterday, you know, with the funeral of that policeman who was, who was stabbed to death? I mean, just, you know, you don't, you don't really expect it, do you? You really don't expect it. You know, you can understand if it's the forces and you pay the ultimate price, you know, if you're, if you're in a, a conflict situation... But uh, not if you're a policeman. I mean, whatever happened, you know, it was, that's why people went into policing. They didn't go into policing, you know, to be attacked by people. And you've seen the most awful things happening to police officers. And many of them, you know, over the years have actually died as a result. They've either been shot or injured. Or, and you think nothing compensates you. Nothing compensates you for that. You're not in the job to be spat at and shouted at and jeered at and attacked. It's just, I don't know why they do it, but I have a lot of admiration for them. A lot of admiration. Right, where are we? 22 minutes to five. So what did we do yesterday? <clears throat> oh, yeah, we did the, the, we did the garden centres. I keep, I keep putting this off, you know, planting this stuff up. So I've got my flower pouches. I bought these flower pouches. You get six for six ninety nine, which works out at just over a pound. And... Um, and they're plastic. And so at the end of summer, after, you know, the, the flowers have sort of... I'll just throw them away. For six quid, I'll buy them new next year. It's like people say, do you save the baskets? No, I give them to our cleaner, Mr Vizzino, and he, he takes them and then does whatever he wants with them. So I'll, I'll have six hanging baskets this year. My friend Paul Fear will be very excited. He can't wait for the hanging basket season to start. But the flower pouches, I think we're going to do block colours. Block colours. And I've got trailing geraniums. And these ones are from Ideal World on the television. So they better look good. They're little plugs at the moment. They're called plugs in the, the box. So I want to plant them up today. But at the moment, I've got miniature daffodils everywhere. I bought these little things in pots. It's taken them forever to come out. And so now I'm going to have to take them out of the pots, empty the earth out of the pots, replace with new earth, which is my, my big thing. So that really gives it all a good start. I've got three flower pouches filled with earth. They'll be set down today. Plants will be pushed in and give them a good drenching and then leave them until the plant establishes. And so block colours, apricot, uh, pink and what was the other one? Bright red, I think. And then the trailing geraniums, one colour in one pot. So you get more of a, a block thing. I've done it before in the park and I bought ivy yesterday and I bought it from a garden centre up the road from me. And the lady on the till... Uh, I said, I said, oh, can I have a carrier bag, please? She said, it's 5p. Is that all right? I said, <laughs> I said to be honest with you, I said, if I'm a spending 2 on an ivy, 5p doesn't make the slightest difference to me. I said, are you telling me that people complain? She said, yeah. She said, it's been a year and people complain about 5p for a carrier bag. I was tempted to say to her, peasants, peasants, people who go out to a garden centre and begrudge 5p for a carrier bag. I mean, seriously, where are they coming from? These people are mad as broomsticks. But uh, she said pe people complain about it. I said, well, I'd actually ring up an extra 5p just to really annoy them. That's terrible, isn't it, really? Absolutely terrible. And um, and you sort of think to yourself, I, I mean, 5p. I could probably walk around this office and find 5p today in, in change. I mean, I carry change all the time, as you know. I'm a, I'm a big change, change sort of person. I've always got money on me. You know, pound coins. Not, I haven't got any of the new ones. 
I gave them away. I gave one to the other producer. Not Australian producer. Did I give you one? I didn't give you one, did I? No. Did I give you a pound coin? One of the... No. Good. Uh, so, no, I mean, I would have done if I'd had any spare. I gave one to Chris. And I gave one to somebody else in the office. Okay. I know. I know. If, if, if I get one today, it's yours tomorrow. Okay? You know, just to... If I, I mean, just, just have a quick... Oh, blimey, fell over. Have a quick check here, because I've got loads. Loads down here. Loads. Wait a minute. There we go. Listen to this. This, this sounds ridiculous. Not a blooming pound coin. Inside. Well, I've got loads of pound coins, but none of the uh, none of the nice shiny ones. I want a shiny, shiny coin. My friend John said to me the other day, he said, I've got 25. I hate people like that. It's awful, isn't it? I don't have a pound. I will, I will find him a pound coin, because they're quite nice to have. I think so, anyway. Uh, also, Billy the Pigeon is doing more birds. Guess what that story is. It's a man who has committed crime after crime after crime after crime. And I think he's up to about 430. He's obviously a bit simple and a bit stupid. And so he's back in prison again. I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. But there again, some people become institutionalised. And, um, and it's a case of, you know, if you become institutionalised, you want to go back into prison again because you're not very happy on the outside world. So you deliberately commit a crime so that you can go back into prison again. And for some reason, the sort of crimes that he commits... I'm a bit surprised that they send him to prison because there's people who commit far more heinous crimes, far more heinous crimes than uh, than sort of somebody who's just nicked a few items. But I actually would, uh, I'd definitely imprison people. Absolutely. Uh, 84850, uh Every Tom, Dick and Harry are already in jail. Uh, they jail people for nothing, yet real criminals go free. Well, I mean, it is absolutely amazing absolutely amazing that sort of people that people do go out and they and they they just seem to want to not work i mean i said to you the other day we've got this person who's sitting begging on the streets of twickenham but he's got a house and a girlfriend he's also got a drug problem as well i'm thinking why do people give these people money not going to solve any problems are you at all 84850 Somebody says, this is the best programme ever. Well, that's why we get the audience. That's why we get the audience. You have a look at the audience figures for this, and we're through the roof. We sort of, we leave everybody else in the shade, which always uh, always kind of impresses me, actually, because people do choose LBC, which is lovely. A lot of people talking about uh, the funeral yesterday of, uh, of Keith, and uh, Keith Palmer was out there. I mean, the, um, some of the, uh, the things that people have said, they've said his blue lamp will shine brightly forever. That's what Chief Inspector Neil Sawyer said. And uh, it, was a, it was a fantastic turnout. Fantastic turnout. And uh, his, his family should be very, very pleased. Uh, your page three girl today is... Oh, dreary old Rianne Sugden. The ex-page three... I mean, she's 30 now. A little bit embarrassing, isn't it, to be sort of an ex-page three girl at the age of 30 and washed up. Your only claim to fame is that Vernon Kay sends you texts and that's her whole career. That's it, really. But... Um, She's posing topless at a stately home after launching her own lingerie collection. They're so deluded, these people, aren't they? It is the funniest thing ever. You sort of you look at, you look at people and you go, so what, what do you do, darling? Got a makeup collection, got fake tan collection. It's all the cheap, tacky stuff, isn't it? And according to uh, dreary old David Walliams, that'll be David Unfunny Walliams, still doing the same gay jokes from years ago and still dressing up as a lady, but not very funny at all. Uh, he's peeved. He says, well, he's not. Simon Cowell is peeved that he hasn't got a knighthood. 
The music mogul has been snubbed for an honour, despite being named in the past as one of the UK's biggest charity donors. You see, that's what people do nowadays, isn't it? People do charity, and then they get a reward for it. You never get a reward for what you do for a living. What he is, he's a music mogul. But you know, it doesn't matter how much you do for charity. That's why, that's why old Beckham apparently was a bit peeved as well, that he didn't get a knighthood. God, can you imagine how ghastly that would make them? Even worse. Even worse. But apparently in February, The Sun told how David Beckham called the Honours Committee um, unappreciative. And then he used a very rude word, which you didn't expect to come out of David uh, Beckham's mouth. In emails, he failed to get a knighthood despite charity work. So that's what they do, isn't it? They do charity work, which, of course, is no hardship. Believe you me, just going out having some photos taken is seriously no hardship. It really isn't. And so they then go, oh, charity work. And they go, OK, fine. And uh, I need a knighthood. Well, you're not having one. They have to get it on merit, and it's got to be for a load of things, not just going out and doing some charity work. That would be very, very ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, and we put all of your texts in. Everything is read out on the programme. You know that because, you know, we're just nice to you. That's the only way we can do it. In quite a few supermarkets, Steve, plastic bags are removed, and you have to ask at the counter. Um, I've always asked at the counter for a plastic bag. Well, you think they're sort of, they're freely available, are they? No, only if it's a shop of under, how many staff is it? 250, you get a free free carrier bag. But if it's something like a supermarket, you get them on the tills. You can't just take one. You have to pay for it. If You know, because people pack our bags in Marks and Spencers and they do the same. Well, in Waitrose, they don't actually. They're just very slow in Waitrose. And you ask, you say, I'll have two Tempe bags and they go, bag for life. I go, well, you know, it depends how, how long you're planning on living. And so you end up with the bag. I use them as rubbish bags. It's only 10p. It's a good old... St- I'm t- I bring, you, can, you, you can tell when Steve Allen's been in a place. I'm just looking under the desk, because normally you'll find my carrier bags under the desk. I've got them all over the place. I am known as Edna, the inebriate woman. I've got these carrier bags. I'm just obsessed with carrier bags. And yet, come to open the boot of the car to put a couple of things in. No carrier bags. So I've got them upstairs. I've got bags upon bags. But I just don't take them out. I don't take them out with me anymore. People say, you know, even the staff in M&S go, why didn't you... Um, well, why didn't you bring a bag, Steve? You bought one the other day. I said, I know. I just don't feel I can walk around with a carrier bag that's empty. But there you go. Some people manage it. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday, the 11th of April. It's definitely going to be planting day today, I've decided. I'm de- determined to do it, so it's all sort of settling in nicely. Uh, Jeff says, the airport officer that dragged the doctor from the overcrowded plane has been suspended until further notice. That'll teach him. Yeah, he'll, he'll be suing, I should imagine. They always do in America, don't they? They're big into su- They love suing in America. They really go for it big time. But uh, I forget how many hits this thing has had. It's gone sort of viral. You know, the, the, the plane... I don't want to repeat the plane story for you. You know what the plane story is. And um, and they sort of took him off. I mean, you know, because they'd said to him, you're, you're going off, and he said no. And so that's why they then started to forcibly remove him. You know, I'm terribly sorry. The computer says, it's you. Get off. But he didn't want to get off. But as I say, only in America. Only in America. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, Steve, if that listener who emailed in thought this is the best show ever, he should listen in on a jelly baby day. Exactly. Jelly Baby Day. I mean, people write in and say, have you been at the Jelly Babies? I normally get that. I, w- I was going to buy myself the other day. I don't know why, because it's just a passing fate. i tell you what I did buy. I bought some Werther's Originals. Have you ever had Werther's Originals? You can't have one. It's not physically possible. I, ju- I tried the other day. I thought, I'll just have one. And there's something to do with candy. I don't know what it is. There's probably just loads of sugar anyway. And, um, and I sort of had this thing. And then within two minutes... 
I've taken another one out of the packet. They were only a pound, you know, to get a, a bag of them or something. And I remember thinking at the time, why are these things so addictive? What is it about a word that's original? It's like Pringles. You cannot just have one Pringle crisp. You cannot do that. You've got to have about... Well, you've got to take about four out, haven't you? And then crunch them in your mouth. Like, you know, you know when they bring the poppadoms in the Indian restaurant? There's always one person at my table who goes, crunch, right into the middle of them. And those people end up out on the street. You know, it's as simple as that. Why do people do that? Leave the poppadoms alone. Mind you, I, I had a friend of mine once... Um, and he, he used to send the poppadoms back if they weren't fresh. He could tell an unfresh poppadom. I had no idea there was such a thing. I just thought they were giant crisps. Occasionally I buy them, and I buy those little dips that you can get. M&S do them, Waitrose, all the supermarkets. Little uh, round thing of different dips. And my favourite is the Thousand Island dressing. And I, I can dip... And you end up eating a whole box of things. It's not good, is it? Not good at all. Uh, what have we got here? Um, uh, Broadchurch. Have I seen Broadchurch? No. I haven't seen Broadchurch. I watched something else the other day, and I can't remember what it was. It was it, uh, these things, they start showing in the early hours of the morning. And we all sit there going, oh, don't do it now. I've got to go to work. And I never get to the end of it. But somebody very kindly sent me in a box set of Morse which was very nice, and I shall get round to that over Easter, because it's short week for you this week, as you know, coming up to the Easter bank holiday. All normal for us here, all normal for us here. I think, though, I forget who's doing breakfast. Is it Andrew Pierce? It is Andrew Pierce. yeah. I think Andrew Pierce is doing breakfast. So I'll be here, normal, on Good Friday and on Easter Monday as well. And so we shall expect your company. Most of you probably go away, I should imagine. But you finish work this week on the Thursday. So you get Friday, public holiday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So that's four days. I mean, that is like a week's holiday. It's brilliant for you. Uh, but we will be here, as per usual. So you can contact us. If you've got £6 million to spare, and uh, I was racking the piggy bank this morning, and I'm a quick look through it. And uh, Tom Jones's mansion in Beverly Hills is up for sale it's uh, it's very nice. It's full of stuff. He's, I mean, he literally, this is, it's more full of knickknacks than you could ever imagine. I thought it would be very clinical, but not a bit of it. You know, his living room is crammed with knickknacks. I mean, everywhere. But I suppose when you get to his age, you'll have accumulated quite a, quite a few bits and pieces. Uh, apparently, read the bags. They used to be available at the counter of all supermarkets. It's only now they give them out to you. What do they do to a damaged or ripped uh, bag? Well, you get it. You get, if, if the handle falls off your bag for life, they just replace it. But I've never seen anybody do it. Who's who seriously is going to be that tight? They're going to go back to a supermarket. The handle fell off, and somebody's going to. Whoa, dear! Where are you coming from? What are you shopping in here for? Go somewhere else. Oh, sorry, you're not. You're thieving. I do beg your pardon. Um, the hobby of knitting. We used to have um, a boss years and years ago. I'll tell you his name was John. And um, he used to look after the new side of LBC. <laughs> and he knitted. He knitted. And very, very good he was too. Very, very good. And apparently women... See, this is a sexist story to start with. Men knit. In fact, there's a very famous male knitter called Cafe Facet. And Cafe used to appear on the television knitting. He did knitting. And my mother knitted. And there's probably loads of you ladies over a certain age who would do knitting. My mother made woolly hats. We had, um, she did gloves, scarves. She did all sorts of things. And then they brought out the knitting machine. And all you had to do was slide it backwards and forwards. Put the wool on, slide it backwards and forwards. And then eventually this thing sort of appeared the other end. And I used to think, that's good, isn't it? A knitting thing. But they've now said it beats sex to soothe stress. 
18% turn to their needles and other hobbies to ease anxiety, but just 8% reckon a romp does the job. Well, I mean, you can't just do that, can you? I mean, at least sitting on the top deck of the bus, you can do knitting. I wouldn't advise anything else. They've got cameras, you know, and the bus driver might drive off the road. So you do that, and, it's, and, and you can, it doesn't matter how old you are. Anybody can do knitting. I've never actually understood it. I mean, I, I, I watch people doing it. Knit one pearl, one drop two. My mother could watch the television and knit at the same time. And I used to think, that's clever, isn't it? Mind you, she did shorthand, and that I never understood. She could do shorthand, so she could take notes, and so she was very good uh, as a PA, because she could do this shorthand. I thought, should I learn Pittman's? And I thought, when am I ever going to use it? And the answer is, I'm never going to use it. But I thought, it's just, it's like learning a language. They keep showing me these apps on the television for learning languages. And I keep thinking, perhaps I should download an app and then I could speak French or German or whatever it is I want to speak. I can get by. I can get by. Probably more in German than I can in, in French. Even though French was our preferred language at school. Slightly strange. Slightly strange. Uh, Robert says, do you still wear new socks every day? Of course I do. What do you think? I've changed halfway through. No, no, I still do them. And what do you do with the old smelly ones? I don't have smelly socks. That's the, that's, the, that's the advantage, you see, of having beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. Somebody says, have you seen Peter Andre's weird stare on the cover of OK magazine? Listen, I, wouldn't, I haven't bought an OK magazine for weeks, mainly due to the fact that they only seem to have dreary old Peter Andre to put on the front cover. Who cares about Peter Andre and his boring family? I'm not interested. Find somebody else. Find somebody else. But after you've seen the pictures in the papers today of uh, Victoria Hervey... Dear God, she's going out in a crop top with a photographer to take a picture of her. She looks emaciated. The very idea that she actually had a threesome with Scary Spice and her husband, Mr Belafonte, fills me with absolute horror. What's one man who's been banged up over a sausage? Uh, His name is Don Fisher. Don Fisher, um, who claimed to be an MI5 marksman, um, waged a five-month hate campaign against his neighbours. Good Lord. Uh, Don threatened one resident with a knife and pinched food from another's fridge. The judge told him, you're a scourge on their lives. He comes from Southampton. He's been jailed for six months after being convicted of harassment, stalking and making threats. They've also given him five restraining orders, barring him from contacting neighbours indefinitely. He's quite clearly a simpleton. He's quite clearly somebody who's not right in between the ears. Oh, by the way, do you eat in front of the television? Eh? Everybody, I thought everybody ate in front of the television. I eat in front of the television. I don't think about it. It's called TV dinners, but it's just normal food. In fact, last night I had sausages with, uh, with Brussels sprouts. Delish. Very delish, actually. But apparently, if you eat in front of the television, Gordon Ramsay says you're gross. I suppose it's because the families never sit down together, is it? You know, very rarely do, uh, do people uh, actually sit down as a huge family around the table at the same time. They don't. They don't, so everybody sits down whenever they feel like it, I suppose. And so that's why kids sit in front of the television. In fact, sometimes you don't even need to sit in front of the television. They've got televisions in the kitchen. I mean, at one point, I had a television in the kitchen. I thought, this is ridiculous. Television in the kitchen, television in the bathroom, television in the bedroom, television in the sitting room. Well, yeah, in the bathroom, why not? Well, don't you watch television or something? Everybody's got television in the bathroom, haven't they? I stayed in a hotel in Blackpool once. They had a television in the bathroom as well. Yeah, in the posh bit. We were in Lytham. There is a posh bit up there. There so is. I know, because we went through the chavy, 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 scuzzy, scuzzy, and then we got to the nice bit, and that was Lytham. Um, it, it was called, I think it's called Number One Blackpool, and it's, it's, a, it's a boutique hotel, not for the likes of you. It's quite, it's quite pricey compared to Blackpool. Normally it's about three quid a night in Blackpool, and for that you do get hot and cold running water, 
down your walls. And uh, if you're very lucky, uh, you get some Viagra. Don't you remember there was that Hotel Viagra up there? Do you remember seeing that in the paper? Viagra said, you better, you've got to change the name of it. So we changed the name of the hotel, but I can't remember what it was changed to. But, uh, oh no, Blackpool's full of the most ghastly people. Although a friend of mine the other day said, oh, I love Blackpool. He said, have you been there recently? I said, nothing on earth would get me to Blackpool. You'd have to, wild horses couldn't drag me to Blackpool. Ghastly place. Absolutely ghastly. It was probably nice years and years ago. But uh, the indication is that the train doesn't go to Blackpool is the indication of how bad the place is. You either go to North Blackpool or South Blackpool, but not in the middle of Blackpool. How stupid is that? But uh, anyway, I'm sure somebody's going off on there for Easter weekend and you'll have a lovely, lovely time. And I really wish you the very best of coming home in a car with all four wheels on it. Coming up very shortly, the news at uh, five o'clock. Kids get the chop from Chef Ramsay's fortune. He wants them to make their own way in the world. Quite normal. Nessie has been hit by a UK snub. We'll tell you why later. Uh, Billy the Pigeon doing more bird. It's like 430 crimes he's committed. He's obviously not learning. Um, the Tory cuts have created a north-south divide in funding for the elderly and seven death row inmates will die in ten days because the, um, the stuff that they kill them with has got a sell-by date. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Tuesday the 11th of April. I don't even know what the weather is today. Normally I sort of have a quick look at the weather and sort of decide whether or not it's one of those days for sort of staying in and watching a movie. And at the moment... I'm watching... What am I watching at the moment? Oh, the... Uh, wait, oh, the oh, here we go today. Clear with periodic clouds. I don't know. We've had periodic clouds for ages. Eight degrees. Wow. The humidity, 71%. Precipitation, zero. Wind, six miles an hour. So by Saturday... It's, it's, oh, Saturday looks better, actually. Friday doesn't look very good, I'm afraid. But uh, they reckon the temperature day climbing up to about 16 or 17 I think, uh, yeah, t- Tuesday today, 17 degrees it'll climb up to. Which is not too bad, is it? Double it and add 30, approximately. We don't sort of worry about pedantic people who go, actually, the correct... You know, we don't care, we're not really interested. I defy anybody to tell me the difference between 34 degrees and 35 degrees. But there you go. It's always going to be somebody stupid somewhere, isn't there? Uh, Pauline says the 5p charge for carrier bags is in an effort to stop people buying them as they aren't biodegradable and they have an adverse effect on wildlife. Using them uh, as rubbish bags isn't helpful. I'm now going to use even more to annoy you, Pauline. So there you go. If it really winds you up, that's what I'm doing. I might hang two up today and fill them up with rubbish. In fact, actually, most people use bags as rubbish. I can tell you that for a fact. You know, most people... Do you use those big sacks or do you have sort of an automatic bin or something? No, no, no. Uh, somebody says, um, why don't shops and stores sell items? Three ninety five for three ninety nine. dollars 99 So instead of... So it's three ninety five instead of three ninety nine. Well, because you think you're getting a bargain. It's like they used to say, it's under £4, three ninety nine, And you go, it's only a penny. But nobody worries about pennies, do they? But you should do, you should worry about them. I, I save them and uh, do very well. Uh, Margaret says, uh, you'd love my friend Chad in Naples, which I think is in Florida, isn't it? Uh, his gardening skills are exquisite. And has he got the connection? We're pharmacists by trade, but would love to do this full time. But the pay is poor. Come to America, Steve. Florida, and especially Naples, you'd have died and thought you went to... Heaven. Flowers everywhere, plants everywhere. Uh, we have Londoners everywhere during the winter. Everybody'd notice you, says Margaret. I'm quite sure. Actually, I'm fairly green-fingered myself. Uh, I remember printing, uh, taking some photos of the baskets the other year. Because it's something that's fairly inexpensive to do and everybody can do it. It's not difficult. And I thought that the, the flower pouches 
which you just fill up with earth and then they've got pre-cut holes in it. Just put, it's, it's so simple. And so I shall do those today, but you've got to do a block colour because it looks so much better. And then water and, of course, as you know, we tomorite because it's got potassium in it, which is good. And uh, M&Ms are the same, says Robert. Start and you have to finish the bag. Oh, no, I don't think so. No, we have had M&Ms in here. I brought in a family bag because they do them in Costco. It's a big bag of M&Ms. But uh, we've, got, uh, we've got something nice for the producer tomorrow, a little something. And uh, apparently Werther's come in toffee. They do. We were talking about them yesterday, actually. That's, that's what it is. Uh, they, they like... Uh, they, but it's something about the candy, isn't it? This, this sort of butterscotch flavour, which everybody seems to like. I, I find it absolutely impossible to make. It's like fruit, um, fruit gums or fruit pastels. Or fruit polos, which I'm not even sure they, they did again. Uh, Miles is in Blackpool. He's called Miles because he's a long way away. The nice part, says Dee Dee, of scuzzy Blackpool is called Lytham St Anne's. I know, they all lived up there. Very posh place. That's where um, Dawson used to live, isn't it? Les Dawson he used to live up Lytham St Anne's, I'm pretty certain. Uh, Steve, number one hotel is in South Shore, Blackpool, not Lytham St Anne's. Sorry you stayed in Chavlat. No, no, no. No, 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 I didn't. Oh, no. This only had three bedrooms. I know exactly where I was, Miles. But mind you, see, I think really, you know, actually admitting you're in Blackpool, I think, is really like telling people you're a poor person. You know, it is really quite terrible, as you know. But, uh, no, we only had... I think it's only got... In fact, actually, I think it's only got... Yes, it, three... three. Let's see, that's why it was a boutique hotel. Lovely. Really nice. That's where, you know, you don't go down in the morning and they shove a plate in front of you. They ask you what you'd like for breakfast, what sort of sausages you want, what sort of bacon, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I like hotels like that. I don't stay in many, but, uh, you know, a little boutique hotel is always quite good. So uh, it's called Number One Black... I'm pretty certain it's Number One Blackpool. But uh, it's very nice. It's very nice. And the bus was over the road. So we could get the bus into Blackpool and then get out again very, very quickly. Uh, 84850, Steve at Um In the quest for selfie perfection, one man is king. Celebs and fans rush for no-knife cosmetic tweaks, fillers and Botox for better look on social media. But then you see the sort of people who go to him. This man here. He's got people like um, Charlotte Crosby, Callie Ann Beach... Jessica Wright. It's all these people who are sort of so obsessed with their selfies that they uh, they sort of take loads and loads of pictures and then they sort of upload them and still they can't find anybody to go out with. Obviously not working, is it, at all. Uh, what have we got? EastEnders are going to be doing a bit, of, uh, a bit of kick there because I think there's going to be a big punch-up with Danny Dyer and Lee Ryan. So that'll be exciting, won't it? I don't know if that'll be for real or they're just sort of pretending. And uh, as host of This Morning, Philip Schofield isn't shy of an innuendo or three. And they, every morning he does something. Every morning. There's, there's innuendos all over the place. They all do it. And the Chelsea mob are off to Ibiza. Yes, this is the made-in-Chelsea bimbos and himbos. So they're all off. Jamie Lang, again. Does he ever do a day's work? Or does he just swan around? Also, Louise Thompson uh, and company will head towards the party island. That's going to be lovely. They're going to be... Um, they say the guys are more used to classy cocktail bars than slumming down the strip, necking Jaeger bombs. Yeah, right. <laughs> You've been to Chelsea recently. Come on. Classy. <laughs> Honestly, they do write rubbish, don't they? Do you think people watch it really thinking it's of any interest to anybody what these people get up to in Chelsea? Which is, apart from, you know, just bed hopping, that's about as far as it goes. Had to put up with Ollie, didn't we? He was slightly peculiar. And that's being, and that's being kind. Louise Thompson, slightly odd as well. Uh, Westminster PC laid to rest yesterday the thin blue line that will never be broken. I thought that sight of all those police officers with their heads bowed, I thought just really, 
really summed it up. It was uh, uh, a tribute, and you know, many of the officers were crying and very, very sad day. Very sad day for his family. Very sad day. Uh, the best view in the country, and this looks like it is the best view, and it's uh, from the summit of Snowdon. The Three Sisters Peaks in the Highlands was second and Stonehenge was third. Cheddar Gorge, the Giant's Causeway and the view of Westminster from Westminster Bridge also featured in the top ten. But uh, And it's lovely, actually. I mean, I do like Stonehenge. We're still none the wiser, are we, on Stonehenge, on how it actually got there. Uh, also, the Three, three Sisters, uh, which is the mountain range, Glencoe. St Ives Bay. God, we've got some stunning scenery in this country. That's what I keep saying to people. They say, oh, but you must go abroad and you go... But nobody's got scenery like we have. Nobody's got it. The Cheddar Gorge, the splendour of the Mendip Hills in Somerset. Loch Ness, apparently, is in there. And there's a lovely picture from the Highlands village of... I think it's called Dores. I should probably get into trouble with Paul Smith for saying that, actually. But uh, Loch Ness, that's OK, but there is nothing in it. OK, let's just uh, establish that one again. And the view down Westminster Bridge... You see, now, is that funny? Because my view in London is from Waterloo Bridge. And what you do is you park on Waterloo Bridge in the early hours of the morning, when it's like, like this, when it's a bit dark out there, and you look just to your left. And there is St Paul's Cathedral and a lot of cranes all over the place. That's all London's skyline is at the moment, isn't it? It's, it's cranes. Cranes everywhere as they're building flats, flats, more flats, more empty flats, more flats that'll be bought by overseas buyers who don't live there. They just buy them as an investment, I suppose, because you get a better return on property in London than you do anywhere else. It's, you know, it's phenomenal, unless it's Tokyo or something like that, or Russia, actually. Some of the big oligarchs places out in Russia are really quite vulgar and disgusting, but uh, they're very flash. They're very flash. But I think that that view up the Thames is beautiful. You can see one of the royal family's former royal yachts. And uh, and you look at St Paul's Cathedral, now dwarfed by buildings all around it. Giant's Causeway in, I think, County Antrim, isn't it? That's another place I'd love to go and see. It's, all, it's basalt, isn't it, I think? Uh, and Buttermere, the beauty of the Lake District in Cumbria. There are some beautiful places to go to. And people go, oh, it's all full of old people. No, it's not, I promise you. It's not always full of old people. Loch Lomond as well. We used to, do you remember years ago? And I've only just remembered this now. Um, you had placemats. You know, when you sat down for, for dinner, you put out the placemats. And that was to stop the hot plate sitting on the table and marking it. And we used to have all the Lake Windermere, Loch Lomond, all these different places on our placemats. And it was, a, it was a fashionable item. I don't even think they make them anymore now. I know some people put them down if you've got a glass. And they like to, uh, <coughs> excuse me, make sure you don't mark the, uh, the table or anything like that. So they give you a, a, little, a little placemat. But we definitely used to have... These mats, which for um, were for the plate, it stopped burning, you know. Uh, what about the roar at four, says Vivian Enfield. The roar at four. I like, you know, I'm, that's not bad, actually. The roar at four. We should really start. Did he choke myself then? Um, <clears throat> yeah, the roar at four. <coughs> I couldn't find anything else to rhyme with it, actually. But I think that's about the best we've got, Viv. Or one here from Andrew says, round your door at four. Yeah, not to, no, I mean, the producer doesn't like that one. I quite like the roar at four. You know, because we don't, we don't start this show with a whimper. We definitely start with a bang, don't we? So straight in, hard hitting. You know, that's the way it should be. I like to get there and straight away hit it hard, you know. The producer likes it like that too. So that's Because if, if you start weak on a programme, somebody always said to me, start big, finish big, they forget about the middle bit. 
But I've subscribed to start big, keep it going and finish even bigger. And that's the way that you get an audience nowadays on the radio. That's the way it works. Uh, still to come, uh, Gordon. I didn't want Bake Off seconds uh, because they. Uh, uh, he says he was offered the job of judging the Great British Bake Off, and he didn't want he didn't want sloppy seconds. So bless him for that. Uh, also, uh, seven hundred high street jobs on the line. Jaeger goes under. I never thought that I'd be reading that. Jaeger's gone under. And uh, they couldn't find a buyer for it at all. And uh, founded in 1884, they've got 680 staff, which is not going to be good, is it? It had been on the market for about 30 million. Uh, Insiders expect most stores to close, although the brand could survive as part of the Edinburgh Woolen Mill stable. So there you go. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's interesting, they were doing a a story on the papers the other day, and I didn't really, uh, I was sort of half watching it. Uh, and then it cop- cropped up on the television. House of Fraser and a company called Misguided have been selling what they thought was faux fur. And it turns out to be animal. They've had it tested. And uh, Misguided uh, wrote back to one woman uh, who said, this is, this is real animal, this isn't faux fur. And they wrote, no, no, it's, it, we, we don't have any testing on animals at all. And uh, now they've had to, uh, to withdraw that. House of Fraser have taken all the items off sale because apparently it's cheaper to give you real fur uh, and it can be from cats, rabbits, raccoons. It can be from all sorts of animals, many of whom are skinned alive. I mean, I know it sounds revolting, but I've seen this happening on um, a video, I think, where they were skinning dogs, huskies, I think, alive. I mean, really, the most disgusting thing you've ever seen in your entire life. And um, House of Fraser have launched an investigation. Misguided have launched an investigation. Because you can't... T- this woman ordered a pair of shoes. They came with, like, pom-poms on. It was only when she got them home she realised that they really were fur. Now, you know our, our attitude in this country to fur. I realise that if you go to Russia, they're not going to be remotely bothered about wearing a fur coat. You know, there are people in America, there are lots of rich people, but there's an advert that runs and has been running for ages in Country Life magazine saying, we can turn your fur into something else as opposed to a coat. We can turn it in. But there'd be lots of you ladies listening who had uh, stole fur stoles and things like that. Not unusual to see a fox fur draped around some lady's neck. That was quite uh, quite common. But nowadays, they because people looked at it and went, wait a minute, this, this looks real. They've said it's faux fur. And so they, they then get it checked by a laboratory that can check on these things. They go, no, this is, this is raccoon uh, or this is cat. I mean, quite clearly, a lot of cats are used in these fur things. And they're in factories in all sorts of places, mainly in, I think it's China and places like that. You know, in the middle of nowhere, they'll be having an industry running and uh, they'll be using real fur. They don't really care. And so I think you need to check very carefully. If you find any of these things in the market, which have got what look like sort of... And people go, oh, it's only rabbit. Like, that's apparently okay. No, the chances are it'll be real fur. You know, you might think it's faux fur, but I promise you it's not. Uh, Steve, um, apparently, says uh, Andy from Mansfield, I saw an advert, Werther's now do sugar-free originals for our lot. You don't have to go all the way to Blackpool. You could have got your Kiss Me Quick hat on eBay. I know. I've, you know, I never had a kiss-me-quick hat. I had a bucket and spade, but it certainly wouldn't have been from Blackpool, that's a fact. And uh, and Louis says, uh, I love the show. Finished working on the doors. Had to be back at the day job at seven. The things we do to pay the bills. I know you've got to do it, haven't you? You've got to do it to pay the bills. It's not that easy nowadays. There are lots of people 
who, um, who've got two or three jobs. Quite a few people, actually. Uh, Steve, try stopping on Waterloo Bridge at 4am now. On your left, St Paul's. On your right, London Eye. Behind you, a camera car giving you a, a fine, says Kevin. Oh, I'd, I'd still sit there at 4 in the morning. I would, actually. That'd be me. <laughs> and uh, Ron says, it seems to me the only thing that the cast of Made in Chelsea have to worry about is who to sleep with next. Yeah. I mean, I have to be honest, I've said that they're exactly the same as all the other bimbo programmes from, uh, from Made in Essex. It's just that they're doing it with a posh accent. You know, that's how it works. They're exactly the same. Seriously, it's very embarrassing. But they obviously think uh, it's not quite the same. You know, if I've, spent, if, if I've slept with, with Spencer Matthews, that doesn't really count because he's slept with, like, everybody. Uh, Ian says, I remember staying at a hotel in Blackpool called... Collins, shared bathroom and filthy sheets. Nine quid a person per night. We've got places like that in London. I should imagine if you hunt around for them, you better find them. But uh, shared bathroom. Do you remember when... I remember being in a... I used to stay in Vienna many, many years ago. And I used to stay in uh, in a flat owned by a lady called uh, Frau Hahn, Hildegard Hahn. And she was an elderly lady. She was, uh, she was uh, a Vienna woman. Uh, she was Viennese. And she dressed properly you know she didn't I mean she wouldn't have possessed a pair of jeans and anything like that and she had a a big flat it was in a in a block and all the flats in Vienna they're big and so I would rent a room from her and it gave her a little bit of income but she did it all above board you can't just have somebody moving in they've got to take your passport and fill in the details and all this kind of stuff and I stayed with uh, Frau Hahn for quite a number of years I would go back there she'd say oh please please tell me uh, Mr. Allen, when you're coming back. And I would tell her when I was going back. But what she would do, because I was there in the winter, when it was blooming cold, Vienna gets very, very cold in the winter, and she would wake up in the morning. She'd say to me, what time? Do I needed to be at work by, I think, six. So I had to walk down the hill. And if it, if it had been snowing, it was like a, like a skid patch. It was dangerous. And so she would wake up at uh, at five, go into the bathroom, turn the heater on in the bathroom, so that when I padded into the bathroom... It was all hot for me. And then I would have my, my shower, pad out the bathroom. She would go in, tidy up the bathroom, turn the heater off and go back to bed. And it was a routine that we had every morning. And I never saw her, apart from once. I don't know who was more frightened, her or me. I'm walking across the corridor of this huge flat in a, in a towel. And she was just coming out of the bathroom. Oh, Mr Allen, so sorry. <laughs> very polite, very polite. I doubt she's even with us. It was so many years ago now, but uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, so uh, you can stay in some really great places, and that was the experience. Food, I ate out. She didn't supply food or anything like that. I would, And over the road, there was a little, um, um, a little sort of delicatessen kind of place. They didn't really have supermarkets when I was there in Vienna. It was always a bit of a novelty, actually. Uh, yeah, Andrew's round your door. About, oh, Richard says, how about we're the hardcore at four? No, that doesn't work either, I'm afraid. I don't know, actually. It's, it's only because, you know, because the spike is so big, I don't really know what else to do with it. I can't, you know, I think perhaps we should have it in fluorescent. At the moment, it just comes in uh, in black, that, that one colour. But fluorescent would make it look even more impressive. That's what I thought, anyway. Uh, so, Jaeger going under. Uh, the zombie spice craze started by the homeless. Now, this is um, a drug. It's a synthetic drug. It's in Man- Manchester. Uh, the homeless people are doing it. I don't think it's party drug or anything like that. Experts say rough sleepers take the zombie substance instead of drink to help them sleep. But it's highly addictive and they end up taking it throughout the day. The low cost of the drug has also been a factor. Um, apparently a wrap costs a fiver, while cannabis is 20 quid. So that's why the homeless are doing it, because it's cheap. Spice causes hallucinations, psychosis, muscle weakness and paranoia. 
Fantastic. Just what we need, isn't it? So when you see these people on the streets and they look as though they're on another planet, the chances are they probably are on another planet. Well, they think they are. Because I just thought it was people who were drinking and they become very leery and sort of, uh, all that kind of stuff. Now it turns out they're doing this spice because it's cheaper than anything else. Odd, isn't it? Page Boy George. Yes, we've got the forthcoming nuptials between uh, Pippa and James Matthews, who's the one with that waste of space brother. You know, Spencer, you remember him, who can't bring his girlfriend Vogue. But then, it's so funny, actually, there's a piece on Vogue, I'll have to find it, because it's very interesting, where she was saying she was dropped from an American Strictly Come Dancing because nobody knew who she was. And the uh, particular columnist has said, nobody knows who you are now, dear. (laughs) You're just somebody who sort of pops up and you've been out with Spencer Matthews. But then again, he was out with somebody different the other day, dear, while you were over in Ireland. So uh, obviously you don't find Spencer Matthews hanging around. You know, it's just, it's it's just, poor soul. I'm feeling a bit sorry for him. Uh, The seven death row inmates to die in ten days. Uh, They want to execute as many of us as they can this month before the lethal drugs expiry date. And uh, the drug is called midazolam. Uh, that's apparently the drug that they administer to somebody to uh, to send them to sleep. So it's death by lethal injection. Somebody called um, Ledel Lee uh, wrote a letter to the Mirror to protest his innocence and criticise the justice system. But uh, 43 minutes it took for Clayton Lockett to die from the injection of midazolam. I think that's how you pronounce it. And so there's uh, a few people there. Bruce Earl Ward is set for April the 17th, as in Don Williams Davis, also on the 17th. Two people. Stacey Eugene Johnson is going to be executed on the 20th. 24th is Jack Harold Jones. Marcel Williams on the 24th as well. And Kenneth Williams. No, not that one. Uh, He's due to be executed on April the 27th. Before this stuff runs out, it runs out at the end of the month. I didn't know it had an expiry date on an injection. And um, they're saying, really, it's uh, it's really inhumane to do it. A lot better than the electric chair. I mean, if you are a convicted felon and they don't take this, I mean, it can go right up to the wire, can't it? I think waiting to see if you're going to get clearance on something. And then the moment they don't get it, that's when they go ahead with the execution. And so the person is uh, strapped to the gurney and then the um, the thing is attached to their arm, just like having a blood transfusion, I suppose. Only this time they're pumping stuff into your arms as opposed to taking it out. And uh, I think there are three syringes, but they don't tell the people who are pushing the syringes or the buttons which one has got the lethal dose. And uh, and then I'd, it takes, as I say, 24 minutes to, for somebody to die. Imagine the electric chair. People have burst into flames before. And then they also brought in the gas chamber. I mean, it all sounds quite... The whole thing just sounds quite horrendous, doesn't it? And we were we were hanging people. I don't think we ever did lethal injections or anything like that. I think we just did hanging. And then they, and they did a whole programme on the television last night on toilets. I don't know how I've moved to the toilets. But it was the history of the toilet and how in the House and the Palace of Westminster they've got an original toilet which has got this unique flushing mechanism. They worked out that in castles, in, in fact in Hampton Court, people used to sit side by side when they were going to the toilet. And so you'd have a chat to somebody. So nice to see you. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, and then, you know, stuff would sort of drop down further and somebody would come and remove it. And so they then worked out that what they needed was water. So they then tried to find a way of diverting water from rivers into people's houses so that they could use water to flush the toilet. Because the only water in your toilet is in the cistern. And the only water in the toilet is in the U-bend. It's not a continuous thing of water. It's just the U-bend. So you can, you know, you can 
that's how people who live in basement flats, mainly in sort of overcrowded areas, rats come up through the through the drainage system because they live in the sewers and so they just wander up and go, I wonder where we are today. So my advice was, years ago, if ever you live in a basement flat, you know, in certain parts of London, keep the lid down. There was one woman, she had a snake come through hers. Imagine! Oh, put the fear of God into me. Uh, definitely. Uh, the loyalty trap for BT users, the coral, coral's great barrier grief. There's a story for you next door. We can do a little story. And also the passenger dragged off the full jet. It's gone viral. Everybody's watching it. It's on YouTube. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Just to give you the diary uh, for events today. Apparently, <clears throat> excuse me, it's 7.30 this morning. BAFTA's annual TV Awards nominees will be announced. 10am, Jeremy Corbyn addresses the Federation of Small Businesses in Westminster. 6pm tonight, it's the premiere of the Hatton Garden job, otherwise known as, you know, the the Titanic. Somebody asked us the other day, do you remember on the programme, oh, can you tell us what the name of the film is about the Hatton Garden job? The clue being, of course, in the title. I said, well, it's actually sinking the Titanic or raising the Titanic, whichever one you want. And at 7.30 this evening, the Archbishop of Canterbury's Holy Week lecture is at Canterbury Cathedral. Uh, the passenger who was dragged off the full jet, fury at the heavy-handed security. The story, very briefly, is they've got a United uh, Airlines aeroplane. It's full. They've got, they have to offload people. So they're offering money and a hotel stay, and they'll put you on another available flight. And uh, they call out for this. Nobody wants to move. So they said, we're going to have to do it then on the computer. We'll generate random numbers. They found this, uh, this man here. Um, uh, this one here uh, is a doctor. I think they were offered 650 quid to give up their seat. So, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad incentive, but it's, he said he had to see patients. Um, but anyway, um, he said he wasn't moving. So security came onto the plane and they started bundling him out. I mean, literally dragging him out. Um, he's yanked from his seat. He appears to hit his head on the armrest. But uh, the United Chief, who is uh, Oscar Munoz, has had to apologise and say all the rest of it. The security guard has been suspended, blah, 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 blah. So we'll wait and find. There'll probably be compensation, I should have actually involved. But as I explained earlier on, so many flights are overbooked. They don't, because they work on the, assu- on the assumption that, you know, not everybody's going to show up. Steve's rumbling jaw from four, says Martin, the white liner. Mm. Not too sure about that. And uh, somebody says, you're absolutely right, as you are most of the time. No, 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 all. Well, I'll tell you, I got something wrong in 1983, I think. He's like, two cranes with red lights on from my kitchen window near Labrook Grove. This building and next door being knocked down and four of the seven flats, which are going to be built, uh, are already sold to investors uh, by my son's company. They cost 730000 uh, for a two-bedroom flat. Unbelievable, says Sharon. Also, wish your Jewish listeners a very happy Passover. Yes, we forgot about Passover, didn't we? Mind, we seem to have forgotten about most things at the moment. Every time I open up the newspaper, there's always some sort of go, oh dear, not that, not that again. But uh, that's it, so happy Passover to everybody. Charlotte Crosby has made a new book called Me, Me, Me. The last one was about her getting drunk and wetting herself. Yes, I mean, I don't know who buys that stuff. I don't think anybody buys it, do they? It's just too embarrassing. People don't, uh, people don't buy those sort of things. Uh, these, uh, they found a First World War hero's long-forgotten diary. And it paints a very gloomy picture of what was going on in the trenches and the brutal reality. Apparently, if you lost somebody, then you had a piece of black material uh, that you wrapped around the second button of your tunic to show personal mourning, you know. And 
practically everybody in the trench had a piece of black material wrapped around the second uh, button. And there was also an image that uh, somebody took with a camera smuggled into the trenches at uh, Eeps in the Somme. And uh, somebody wrote here in the in the diary, some poor wretch has the side of his skull blown away and it's obvious nothing can be done for him. Oh, the horror of it all. Why does it take so long for a man to die? Because they were living with death in the First World War, most appalling conditions. I forget how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people died. But they, they, they took pictures. And I think what they're trying to do is really identify who the people are in the pictures so they can sort of maybe give them back to the uh, to the family again. Uh, the call confirm finds a company that tricked callers into ringing expensive numbers beginning 09. You see, I never answer anything. I never answer anything at all. Most victims had used smartphones to search online for a well-known orga- organisation like Sky or HM Revenue and Customs. But the links they clicked on were for a connection service, DK Call Limited of Bournemouth. The firm did not disclose that the calls cost £3.60 a minute plus an access charge. They must refund victims, some of whom spent £100 on a call. They'd been fined £645,000. I never answer cold calling, but I appreciate for many people it's it's one of life's uh, hazards. The phone rings, you pick it up, hello. That's what, that's what people do nowadays, isn't it? Um, the Daily Star this morning, scary but true, Simon Cowell saved my life, which we'll come round to later. Also a Premiership uh, star attacked on a night out. And the moving farewell to the policeman who died defending us all. Uh, 5,000 police were out the other day. Very moving. Very, very moving. And um, so tears flowing as his hearse topped with a floral tribute reading Number One Daddy passed on its way to the service at Southwark. Um, I was hearing... What was I hearing the other day? Somebody was talking to me about... There's this thing taking place, I think, wherever it is. I can't remember. And it's got status quo appearing. And only one left, isn't there? I don't, I don't, I didn't think there was anybody else in status quo. We lost Rick. That doesn't seem possible, does it? You sort of think about all these people that we keen, seem to be losing. But there was an event taking place. And they said, status quo are going to be appearing. Well, there's only Francis Rossi left. Can't be appearing on stage as a one person, can he? Unless they've got sort of a band that they've assembled. But uh, never going to be the same. Never going to be the same. Uh, Nessie. The Loch Ness Monster, which doesn't exist. OK, I'm quite categorical about that. But uh, apparently he, uh, Nessie has been denied a permit for permanent residency in the UK. Scottish arts collective, the Doing Group, made an official application uh, to the Home Office, but they've been told their bizarre request has been turned down. Hannah Kendaru, a member of the Glasgow-based group, says, We filed the application in good faith. Nessie has lived in Scotland for a long time, yet her origin is unknown. Due to the worries that Brexit has caused, it was only natural to apply for a residency permit. You sad woman. It doesn't exist. You can't apply for a thing that doesn't exist, can you? Although, did you notice the other day a girl turns up in hospital with her family? Uh, They think she's a diabetic. And then the family disappear. She's disappeared as well, but not with the family. And it turns out the family gave a false address. They're said to be a, a family who've come in from another country, but they gave false names and addresses, and you think, and now they've got this girl who's a diabetic, who seriously needs her medication, and she'd vanished as well. Very odd. People who are giving false names and addresses. Terrible. Uh, Cowell tips missing choir for Britain's Got Talent glory. Nobody cares. Seriously, I mean, we really, really don't care. Where have they come from? Where is this? Oh, this is the choir, isn't it? This is Kate McCann's Missing People Choir. Tip to, they're not going to win it. Of course they're not going to win it. 
The choir made up of missing people's loved ones is backed by Madeleine, McCum, uh, Madeleine McCann's mum, Kate, and will tug at viewers' heartstrings. Oh, God. I mean, we've seen them before, haven't we? I thought they've already been on the television before. And people went, they weren't very good as a choir, but that is nothing to do with what they stand for. It's just as a choir, they weren't very good. Simple as that. Uh, plus, this zombie nation, this spice drug, which is doing the rounds. Uh, so when you see people who are passed out, because it's so cheap, people are taking it because it's, uh, it's cheaper than cannabis or anything else or alcohol. They take it to go to sleep, but it produces paranoia, psychosis, all sorts of things. But, you know, I suppose if you're living on the street, you'd be prepared to take anything. They just go, oh, it's, uh, it's a five or a wrap. Which is cheap, I suppose, in this day and age. One of Britain's most prolific criminals uh, has just committed his 433rd offence. This is Billy the Pigeon. His real name is William Frederick Armstrong. Uh, Days after he was freed from the latest stint behind bars, he's back in again. He's been sent back to jail after pleading guilty to burglary and attempted theft. He was jailed in February for three shop thefts and burgling a news agent. Days after being released, having served half... Of his 12-week sentence, he was back to his old tricks again. I mean, he's, 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 he's quite clearly an alcoholic. He's got serious uh, problems. He burgled a Methodist church. He stole 50 quid and £100 worth of alcohol from a store cupboard in a cinema. Uh, he was jailed for 10 weeks. Well, blimey, you can have people beating the heck out of each other and they don't go to prison at all. It's obviously different where he is. He, uh, he earned his nickname uh, because his father kept pigeons, so they call him Billy the Pigeon. Riveting. Rivetingly sad, isn't it, really? His 433rd offence, quite clearly. Oh, he has a drug problem, by the way, but, of course, I suspect you probably worked that one out. Oh, Brooklyn Beckham demonstrating his second tattoo, which he's got at the moment, which is lovely, isn't it? You watch... I mean, he's only, he's only just turned 18, so you can have tattoos. It's funny, isn't it? You can have tattoos at 18, but you can't drink in America. You've got to be 21. So, obviously, Brooklyn Beckham, I shouldn't imagine he's drunk either. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, he's, a, he's a budding photographer, because I can't think of anything else to call him. So, he's a, he's a photographer. So, now you know. Also, the NHS has a fat prejudice, um, which, of course, they prob- I should imagine they probably would have, wouldn't they? They would say it was unhealthy. They would say that, you know, it's like people who want to go in for operations, and they go, no, you need to go and lose some weight. We're not going to put you up for, for this particular operation unless you lose the weight, because it would be a, a waste of, of time to do it. Um, and so now they say they've been wrapped for having a fat bias against overweight patients. Well, it's nine out of ten times self-inflicted, isn't it? If somebody's overweight, it's because of the food that they're eating. I mean, I'm never sure what I'm supposed to be eating, what I'm not supposed to be eating. So this morning, I have a, I have a cornucopia Foods, I have some strawberries, I have some plums, and I have some tomatoes. Producer hates tomatoes for some reason. Obviously, it brings back dreadful childhood memories as parents holding him down, force feeding him tomatoes. And so it's, I mean, because literally he sort of, he goes into a complete sort of breakdown. And, uh, but I quite like tomatoes, but I'm not sure how many I'm supposed to eat. So I bought them on the vine the other day. And they're only, they're just little bite-sized tomatoes. They'd be better with some... Some ketchup, or not ketchup, um, salad cream. I love salad cream. Put salad cream on anything. Mashed potato and salad cream is very nice indeed. Steve, I, I watch um, a programme yesterday on Jim Henson, the Muppets creator, and in the documentary mentioned the name Steve Allen as somebody Jim had worked with. Was that you, says Mary? Um, I don't think so, but when we were in Fleet Street, Jim Henson's son used to, I used to bump into him and he would always come back to the studio and we'd just have coffee and everything else. Sometimes be sort of six or seven people would come back and we'd all have a cup of coffee because the studios were literally just inside the City of London. So uh, Jim Henson's son did, but Jim Henson didn't. 
and as far as I know, I I didn't ever work with them. But mind you, there's probably quite a number of Steve Allens around. Uh, the method of, uh, of uh, judicial execution by hanging, Albert Pierpoint, the hangman, who also uh, executed Nazis after Nuremberg, uh, could enter the condemned cell, secure the prisoner, and have them at the end of the rope in seconds. Yes, I told people this the other morning. It's no good just repeating it. He, he ran a pub called Help the Poor Struggler, or something quite similar. Yes, it was... Uh, that's, and he had to execute one of, his, um, uh, one of his regulars in the pub. In the pub. But uh, he did it fast. He, he could... I forget how many seconds it was, because the condemned cell was next to the execution chamber. The wall slid apart. And so they didn't have to sort of go trekking down endless corridors. But I think it was eight o'clock, wasn't it? The traditional time for executing people. So the clock would strike. They'd go into the cell, uh, give them a brandy, chuck the brandy down, uh, as if that's going to make any difference, and tie their hands behind their back, walk them to the scaffold. The wall would have rolled back onto the scaffold. Make sure you stand well clear. uh, Remove the bolts and uh, put the hood over their neck and the noose, and then down. I think he did it in... It was seconds. It was definitely seconds. And uh, then they had to leave them there. But everybody had to watch. There would be ten people in the execution cell to stand and watch and make sure it was all done properly. So it was, it, it was quite a thing. And then they would leave them hanging there. And then the executioner would then go and take them down later on and put them in their, their coffin. I think they had to be left for a, an hour, I think, or something like that. But uh, that's what we did. Um, da, 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 da. Stephen Moffat has says that uh, Holmes may return... That's not Eamon Holmes, who apparently is sort of wowing his, uh, his fan. Uh, they've all gone, oh, he's so much better than Piers Morgan. And you go, I don't think so. He's done it all before. It's all a bit dreary, actually, with Eamon. He sort of does it, then he comes off it, then he goes back to it. And then he, he sort of, I think he likes the, uh, the attention. But uh, somebody said they saw him a short, somebody went out for lunch with him, actually, a short while ago. And was telling me all about it. So uh, I'm sure he'll be doing very well indeed. Very well indeed. And uh, 5th of May, the old £5 note ceased to be legal tender. Uh, yes, and it's October, isn't it? October is when the pound coins... It's no good saving them, incidentally. Please do not save them. Please don't save They're not going to be worth anything at all, because there's millions of the blooming things, but they cease to become legal tender, I think, on about October the 14th or 16th. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you come, but it's Tuesday the 11th of April. Some poor soul called uh, Jotters, is lying in bed after gallbladder surgery yesterday. Apparently in pain, but Steve Allen is making me smile. That really is the worst. I get more people on the NHS listening to this programme than anything else. I think it's because you can, you can offer somebody the world in three hours. We can wander through the papers, you know, for three hours, and we can find every single news story that I think is going to be relevant Today, I think people will be talking about different things. Uh, they're talking about the council tax, which is rocketing uh, for million, millions of you, and myself included, I think. But they say here there are 539 town hall fat cats raking in more money than the Prime Minister. I mean, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Lo- w- w- once you're in local council, that is the licence to print money. This uh, audit reveals 539 council staff took home at least... £150,000 in pay and other benefits. That was 53 more than the year before, a rise of 11%. Unbelievable, isn't it? £150,000. And then there's a quick review of um, Victoria Beckham's not-so-posh range. It's all very ordinary, very, you know... I'd love to see her drawings for this kind of stuff. I've just never seen Victoria Beckham as a fashionista. But anyway, they've got things here. They say um, her mainline collection... 
only in uh, sizes 6 to 14, so I'm afraid if, if you're above that, forget it. It's not for you fatties. Costs thousands of pounds. Her collaboration with Target means that uh, most of her style is 50 quid in sizes 4 to 26. And uh, they've got things here. There are some quite nice things. They say there are drop waist, high-low hemlines. But do bear in mind that at these prices, you can't be paying for quality. And this is the male's fashion expert. It's called, you know, sort of slightly more expensive throwaway stuff. You know, you'll sort of buy it. Victoria Becker, of course, hilarious in her, uh, in her trousers, which seem to be dragging on the floor. I mean, can't she buy things that fit or have things made for her that fit? But, of course, I shouldn't imagine, you know, if you look at the sort of an average person in the street, that's about sort of three of Victoria Beckham. She's, uh, she's completely different. More in the, uh, the papers today. Uh, on, first of all, on Jaeger. The luxury chain, which has gone under, quite clearly people obviously think it's old-fashioned and so weren't going there. 700 jobs at risk. They will probably close all the branches. There might be uh, a couple which will be left, which will come under the, uh, the Edinburgh woollen mill, I think, I think. Uh, also, the, the children who can't dr- join these scouts because they can't find enough volunteers. They've all got to be vetted and uh, some people don't pass the vetting. You know, if you've got a history of anything, then it's going to be found out when you get this this police vetting. Also, the Great Barrier Reef is under threat. 900 miles of it uh, is under threat. They say it's it needs, something needs to be done. It's not had a chance to recover from some algae attack. And so what they're actually doing now is that they're seeing if they can do something about it. But it looks horrendous. It's the sort of thing that Australia is famous for. You want to go there to see the Great Barrier Reef. And when you look at it, and, and it goes for miles... It's like the, uh, the the Grand Canyon. It goes for miles. I just thought the Grand Canyon a little tiny bit. No, no. Hundreds of miles. Hundreds of miles. Uh, Steve, we've flown on United from Philly to London. I think that must be Philadelphia. On numerous occasions and four times on the trot, we were asked to be flexible flyers. We jumped at the chance. $600 each and an overnight stay at the Marriott. You see, this, this, this uh, well, that, that was the problem. Nobody wanted to, to do it. I've been on a plane before where they've asked somebody. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, we're, we're, we're looking for somebody who, uh, who doesn't mind being offloaded because they've then got to get your bags off and everything else. And in the case of this particular doctor, he got picked at random by their computer and uh, he didn't want to get off. But uh, they, they, they actually dragged him off. They dragged him off the plane and I think he banged his head at the same time. So, so it all became terribly messy. And of course, somebody, because now we've all got uh, cameras in our phones, somebody actually filmed it. You know, it's amazing. Uh, D says, news and stories galore, all just for you, from four. Yeah, I'm I'm warming slightly to that one. That's okay. Apparently, there are 25 designs of the pound coin. A full set is going for 80 quid on eBay. There's so many things for sale on eBay. Some of these said that um, some of them got the wrong date on. I don't know how that's possible. Be very careful. There's a lot of fake stuff, as you know, on eBay, and you don't want to be caught out uh, with anything like that. Uh, There's also the £600 million dynasty. Torn apart over the family silver. This is a, an elderly couple locked in a feud with their children over their £600 million estate, demanding they hand back paintings and jewellery kept in the family mansion. Uh, this was, uh, uh, I think it's called Lygrove House. It was once home to the property magnate Manny Davidson and his wife uh, Brigitta. Contains more than £17 million worth of silver, jewels and artworks. Masterpieces by Gainsborough, Hogarth, Joshua Reynolds hang on the walls of the Gloucestershire property, which is next door 
to Prince Charles's Highgrove. Now Mr Davidson and his 80-year-old wife are demanding their children hand back much of the collection, which they say was left behind when they moved to Monaco six years ago. So they're suing their children. They're suing their, 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 their children. It's very interesting. Because, you know, there's so much involved in, in sort of things like this. That you, and you look at the, the picture of this, I mean, it's, it, it looks like... I'd never tell anybody how much worth of art you've got hanging on the walls. That'd have frightened the life out of me, telling people. It's, it's kind of sort of almost inviting, you know, somebody to have a go and see if they can get anything out of it. I don't think, I don't think the house is, uh, is open to the, uh, to the public. I think it's, uh, it's still a private house. Uh, why a man you've never heard of will soon be telling you what to wear... Uh, a male model talent spotted at a tube station aged 14 is the very surprising new editor of Vogue. And uh, he's posed with everybody uh, who will be his muse. Uh, he is a star, says uh, the female's fashion editor. But does he know what women want? Well, I suspect that they must have thought about that when they offered him the job. But he's been pictured with uh, Michelle Obama, Cindy Crawford, Madonna, Rihanna, loads of people. And, uh, of course, with uh, Anna Wintour, the interesting Anna Wintour. So, does he... I mean, I've never heard of him either, but that doesn't mean to say that he doesn't know what he's going to be talking about. Uh, plus the, uh, the clot buster operation that can bring stroke patients back to life. And it's with a thin wire, apparently... Uh, which goes in uh, as a stent, which means it can either go in on your groin or it can go in uh, up your arm, and then it goes all the way through your body. The stuff they can do now still puts the fear of God into me. As I say, I have a feeling I've got to have more stents put in because the angina's come back again. Not hugely, hugely badly. I've got a spray. But uh, I think I'm going to have more stents, and I was only thinking about it yesterday, thinking, oh, God, no, I want to go through that again. (laughs) Thank you very much indeed. But you do feel a lot better after it. But it's just at the uh, at the moment, thinking about the operation, I'm thinking, oh, I really don't want it. Um, who's this? A picture of uh, Pippa Middleton, Theresa May, Prince William's determination to destroy ivory in the royal collection is gently undermined by the Queen, who has authorised a Sandringham exhibition, including many ivory pieces. Can William depend on his father, Charles, chairman of the trustees of the Royal Collection, have reportedly put their own ivory treasures out of sight? The source for Ephraim Hardcastle says um, they aren't sure how destroying artefacts worth millions of pounds will save a single elephant, but they're hesitant about challenging William. Well, he doesn't know anything about it, does he? You can't, just, just destroying stuff that's in the Royal Collection is not going to stop people going out killing elephants, I'm afraid. It really isn't. And, 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 and uh, Tim Rice, you know, Tim Rice is 72. 72. He temporarily filled in for, uh, for Brian Matthew on the show Sounds of the 60s. How lovely. What a nice man. What a nice man. Tim Rice, very tall man, very tall man. Coming up very shortly, the news at six o'clock this morning. It's Tuesday, the 11th of April. I'm Steve Allen with you until seven. Nick Ferrari will be along then. Uh, so the, uh, the Tory cuts creating the north-south divide in the funding for the elderly. The seven death row inmates, they will die within 10 days. They've already got their their sort of papers in order unless things uh, change. The shark, which was caught off the coast of... They just went out fishing and they've caught this shark and you don't argue with sharks. They're very big, aren't they? Uh, the hobby of knitting, apparently, uh, beats the, uh, the amorous side of life. So you'd rather knit... And apparently do a bit of rumpy-pumpy. Uh, the man who was banged up over a sausage, as indeed you probably should be nowadays. Um, Victoria, revealing her not-so-posh range. 
Because, remember, some of her stuff sells in thousands. And the way you tap your phone can give hackers your pin. All of that and Tom Jones's house can be yours for six million. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a very nice heavy company. It's Tuesday the 11th of April. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. The tears, all the papers full yesterday of the fitting farewell to the hero of the Palace of Westminster. Other people lost their lives. He gets... Um, a really spectacular funeral. 5,000 officers, I think, were lining the route. And uh, the family were there, and it was uh, just very, very moving. Very mo- For them as well, I think, because as they probably were thinking, that, you know, that could have been us. Could have been us uh, there. Uh, Tom Jones's home is for sale. I don't know why he's selling it. He's had it for ages and ages. Worth about £6 million, which in American terms is apparently quite expensive. In British terms, it's peanuts. As I say, I'm looking at places at £25 million. In, in London, and that's just for a, a four-bedroom house. This one, you get the swimming pool, you get everything. I mean, there was one, actually, one house that I looked at, only, only on, the, on, on the computer. I didn't look at it anywhere else. I was far too embarrassed. 17 million off Kensington High Street, Muse House. Uh, the garage was um, a lift. So, in other words, you drove in, and the car lift went up, and then you could put another car underneath so you could get two cars in the same space. Down in the basement, they had a swimming pool covered by um, a dance floor, so it could become a discotheque, and then you pushed a button and the dance floor opened up. And that, that was quite interesting. And I thought, that seems quite nice. And I looked at... It just looked a bit pokey, the house. They obviously tried to cram as many features in as, uh, as possible. So when you see that Tom Jones's house at six million has got a huge Olympic-sized swimming pool and, God, yeah, you could have a field day with it. It's the fact it was Tom Jones's. Uh, and the fact that Tom Jones does actually stay there. Uh, the first story marketed as fake by a girl's fashion brand. This is Misguided and their high street sandals. Uh, they Somebody bought a pair of these shoes and immediately they spotted this was not faux fur. And it turns out it's cat. They've got cat on there. Originally, they said no. Uh, they, didn't have, they didn't have stuff like that at all. But uh, several have now removed products from sale and begun their own investigations. It's, it's quite a number of uh, places. Clothing ch- ch- chains have made a point of switching to fake fur because of cruelty concerns. And um, the products are made in China from cats, raccoon, dogs, rabbits, mink and fox. I mean, many, many of these pets have been stolen from the streets. There are gangs who go around stealing pets to order. So it's a bit of a pointless exercise having pets over there because they get killed for their fur and meat as well. And uh, as I say, it's, it's quite disgusting. I mean, one, one person here uh, found them at Westfield in Stratford in the store there. They list only man-made materials on the label. However, laboratory tests confirm that the pom-poms were made from cat fur. Uh, Donna Allison was uh, not satisfied with an assurance from the Manchester-based firm via its Twitter account that any fake fur is used in the products. It was tested, and it wasn't. There's also a pair of gloves at fur-free retailer House of Fraser tested positive for rabbit. The trouble is, if somebody says to you, this is faux fur, I mean, I remember seeing a coat some years ago, and to be honest with you, I, I couldn't tell the difference. I'm sure that there are experts, as indeed there are in every field, who could tell you the difference between a faux fur and a real fur. But uh, a pair of gloves, if somebody says to you, we've got these gloves coming in, this is faux fur, how would, how would you know? The time it's been washed and everything else and cut and trimmed and all the rest of it, you probably wouldn't know. But uh, a bobble hat sold on Amazon as faux fur tested positive for raccoon dog, despite the fact that the listing included an on-screen no-fur assurance. 
Another bobble hat sold on fashion boutique website Lily Lulu as faux fur was labelled as 10% marmot on delivery. It subsequently tasted positive for raccoon dog. Selling products from cat, dog and seal is illegal in the UK and across the EU. However, imports of fur from a range of other species like uh, dog and chinchilla are allowed and mink coyote as well. I mean, it's terrible, really, isn't it, that you, people are buying these things. And you probably wouldn't know. It used to be the fashion some, some years ago. You'd buy a pair of boots, and they would come with these little pom-poms at the side. And I remember thinking, they just look like rabbits. I don't know why. Somebody said, no, they're just faux fur. And you go, are you sure? I mean, I've got a faux fur throw, which is on the settee. And uh, it looks like wolf, but it, it is faux fur, believe you me. I promise you. Well, I, I say I promise you. I hate to disappoint myself, but uh, it might not be. Uh, Steve, did you know the expression money for old rope relates to the hangman cutting up the used rope and selling it to make extra cash? Says Rob, thank you for that. Very moving yesterday, says Jason, my sovereign driver. He says the funeral of uh, our hero PC and all his colleagues, plus the two helicopters paying respect. Yes, I mean, it's. Uh, it, I think it was moving for everybody, actually. It's very moving. And uh, and John sort of echoes what a lot of you have said, which is a lot of police officers standing there thinking that that could have been us. I said at the beginning of the programme, you know, what on earth would tempt somebody to become a police officer nowadays? I can't imagine. There's so many people out there who are willing to do them harm, people who don't like the police for various reasons, you know, families who don't want anything to do with the police, and yet they're the first ones to come bleating and calling them out when something goes wrong with a next-door neighbour. Very worrying. Uh, University Challenge, the uh, Eric Monkman, who's from Wolfson College in Cambridge, during the final. To be honest with you, I don't even understand the questions in University Challenge. I don't know where it would ever come up. I mean, there's, there's one here. Which country has the highest number of recorded species of reptile with more than 850? These include the freshwater crocodile and the desert death adder. And so it goes on. Uh, that, incidentally, was Australia. Australia. See, we've mentioned Australia quite a lot this morning, haven't we, really? Um, Another one here. What three-letter word often precedes the names of plants to indicate that they are considered inferior, worthless or unfit for human consumption? Examples include fennel, violet and rose. And the answer is... uh, Dog. I didn't get it either, I'm sorry. But uh, anyway, the Gurning cult hero of University Challenge flops in the grand final, so there you go. It's still worth watching, isn't it? I, th- I just watch it just to realise that I maybe should have stayed at school a little bit longer because I never understand where you're going to weave that question in. Uh, the story that I did yesterday on the programme has made the papers today. The foreign sex attacker who gets damages because he's been held of £27,000. He's been held a little bit too long, which is three times what his victim got who got seven. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, who has a £10,000 birthday party? I can't even imagine spending 10000 up. But if you're rich, that would be fine. Uh, tables at top LA restaurants and uh, Tiger Mums, desperate to engineer a play date. Whose son is the most eligible toddler in town? It's Simon Cowell's son, Eric. Eric is the cutesy of the moment. Uh, he's got a mini-me wardrobe. He's an absolute charmer he really is absolute charmer here he does get his five-star getaways but he wouldn't know it was a five-star getaway as a child they just take him and he goes we're on a beach and they've got a lovely picture of simon on the beach because he goes to uh, barbados and um and they stay there 
I think on a on a super yacht or also at Sandy Lane. I mean, Sandy Lane has got to be the most star-studded place you can find. They all go there. The rich, the famous, the infamous. Everybody goes there. It's the place, and it's it's nice. And so Eric just goes there. He's just another little kid walking along the beach with his mummy and daddy. And uh, he looks great. He looks absolutely great. 50,000 foreign students stay here every year. They just overstay and they just melt in. And the next thing is they get jobs. And then before you know where they are, they bought houses. How they afford it, I've got no idea. 15 kittens dumped in the street in a suitcase. The cutest little cats you've uh, ever seen. They were found by a veterinary nurse. I mean, how lucky is that? What is the chance of a veterinary nurse walking along, finding a suitcase with 15 kittens in it? Uh, She was going to work in Dagenham in East London. Uh, apparently, whoever dumped the kittens probably intended them to be rescued as air holes were cut in the case, which was left near the nurse's home, so they obviously knew that she was a veterinary nurse. The kittens, uh, thought to be from three litters, will need to be hand-reared and are being uh, looked after by the Cats Protection, Hornchurch and District Branch. Alison Gambles, the branch's welfare and homing officer, said, although they were in fairly good condition, they were clearly far too young to be away from their mummies. Some one must have felt in a very desperate situation. They've already been found homes. Isn't that cute? Because you can't resist. When they're kittens, you go, so cute. So cute. But they all survived. Thank God for that. But uh, So somebody's obviously had cats. They've not had them neutered. And they've just been producing sprogs all over the place. But at least found by a veterinary nurse. So that's good news. Uh, Steve, lose the snore. Wake up to Steve at four. Mm, I'm not sure about that one. Doesn't quite have the uh, the ring that I was uh, that I was looking for. And also, your car insurance is going to go up. Better not. I should be changing my uh, my supply very quickly. If they start messing around on that one, but they they've checked a few people. The ad- average motor insurance in the UK. Is in 2016 it was 670 quid. Blimey. What? Uh, in 2017, 781. Younger drivers aged 17 to 20. Uh, males get charged now, this year, £2,363. It's a licence to print money for the insurance code, but they're not prepared to risk it because you get more accidents with younger drivers. Uh, older drivers, 71 and over. Female, 421 quid. Male, 505. But if you're... Sub- oh, I'll tell you, we saw something the other day. I can't remember exactly how we did it. Oh, I'll tell you about it in a minute, actually. It, was, it, it relates to cars and an elderly lady driving. Really bizarre, really bizarre. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20. It's Tuesday. I don't... The weather forecast day, not bad. 17 degrees. 17 degrees. A little bit of rain later in the week, but at the moment, not too bad. Why does Scotland get a cancer drug that's too expensive for England? Very odd. I know that the spend per patient is more in uh, in Scotland, but this is a life-extending breast cancer drug rejected as being too expensive for England and Wales. It's going to be made available to Scottish patients. Is that going to encourage people to move to Scotland? Scotland's also become the first part of the United Kingdom to offer a pill that cuts the risk of HIV infection by 90% after NHS England fought a court battle to avoid paying for it. Campaigners warned the English taxpayer wouldn't put up with subsidising treatments in Scotland that they could not get for themselves. But the Scottish public spending is 10,500 ahead against, uh, excuse me, uh, 8,800 in England, and the NHS get 2,100 and 1,900 per person, respectively. English and Welsh taxpayers contribute more to Scottish health spending through the uh, Barnet formula. Amazing, isn't it, that you can get certain drugs in certain places? I mean, that's why, you know, I've got friends of mine who sort of say, but you don't pay for any of your prescription, do you? I go, I know. 
I know, I don't quite understand how it works, but while, you know, if you're, if you're diabetic, you do get all your medicine for free. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the way round it is. If you can afford to pay for it, perhaps you should pay for it. But then it's going to be very difficult because people who probably still can afford to pay for it wouldn't be paying for it. And yet there are people who need this, this cancer drug and they can't get it because it's considered too expensive. But you can get it in Scotland. I mean, there is a feature in one of the papers today, I think it's the Daily Mail, have done the drugs that you can buy online. Drugs that you buy online. Everything, we know about Viagra, you can see pills being sold for that, but they've got everything, including acne drugs, all sorts of... Even diabetic drugs, I think glycoside or something like that, is being sold online. You can buy it. It's sort of posted from elsewhere in the globe, but you, you pay your money to, uh, to whoever it is, and then this stuff arrives. But they say you've got to be very careful, because if you're buying any drugs online and you're self-administering without it coming through a prescription, you don't know what you're putting into your body. And there is that danger that you could be putting in something that's, that's really, really bad for you. Really bad for you. Other stories which are running for today. Uh, the problem is, I didn't know that there are certain ways that you tap phones. You know when you put in your, um, your, your password for it, uh, your, your PIN? You see, I've got a PIN on my phone, but I also use my thumbprint. So, in other words, I don't actually have to put anything in. I just have to put, put my thumb over the actual thing, and it goes straight to the screen. Because, and, and I did that ages and ages ago, and it seems to work most of the time. But if you, if you tap in, apparently that means that hackers can actually get hold of your PIN and access your phone. I don't know what they think they're going to be finding. There's nothing very exciting. Even on my phone, there's nothing very exciting. Some nice pictures of, um, of uh, Regent's Park on a Sunday morning. You know, where you get that beautiful picture where you look at something, and the, the sun's coming through the trees, at the t- and it just looks stunning. And the bunny rabbits are... Well, we've never seen any bunny rabbits, actually. Camels. We see camels. And we hear the lions roar. And if we're very lucky, we see the tigers. Because you go past Regent's Park and that... The camels are right next to the fence. I mean, in theory, you could climb over if you really wanted to talk to camels. But uh, I wouldn't recommend it. And then you've got the tigers. And the next thing... If you're very lucky, you get to see the tigers who just sit there and look at all this food. Like the camels. And like all the other animals that are around there. But that's lovely. In fact, you can, you can go to one side of Regent's Park on a Sunday morning. And if the lion roars, you can hear it the other side of the park. Unbelievable. In fact, the other day, it was so quiet, we heard Big Ben chiming. Big Ben was chiming at, at 8 o'clock in the morning, which was fantastic. Uh, somebody went to the <coughs> excuse me, Bank of England the other day to change some notes up. But uh, uh, unfortunately, there's such a big queue. Chris gave up. He said, nice building. It is. Oh, the Bank of England's amazing. In fact, actually, I don't know why people don't go wandering around the city of London, because over the road from there is Mansion House. And uh, there's loads of... I mean, you could literally walk around some of those streets for a long, long time. At the weekend, it's, it's deserted. There's nothing to see or do, and most of the shops are closed. In fact, I don't think there's anything open around there at the, uh, the weekend. But it's still still amazing place to actually just go and have a wander around. And, uh, and familiarise yourself with London. You can do everything. Walk along the bank of the Thames. I always recommend people, if they're in London, they say, what, what would you recommend? I said, well, you know, if you've got a show to go and see in the evening, why don't you do a boat trip? Go to Charing Cross Pier, take a boat down to Greenwich, have a wander around Greenwich, have some lunch, and then poodle back. You can get any boat coming on the way back. And if you've got one of those nice travel cards, which means you're a, an elder person, you get a discount. Which is even better, isn't it? I came back, well, you know, if I've been an elderly person. I came back from Hampton Court and it was, it was very cheap. Very cheap. That's a nice boat trip as well. I went up there with my brother and his, uh, his uh, young lady. Uh, other stories on the papers running. The heart disease breakthrough. This is the Express today. They always do. It's either a Diana story, a weather story, or a medical story. And this is a, a new pump which will replace a transplant. 
Heard of this one before? Me neither. Nearly two-fifths of sufferers, uh, this is people with severe heart disease, um, make on uh, make a full recovery when they were given this mechanical pump. A national shortage of donated hearts for transplant is leading to calls for the battery-operated machines to be considered as a tool which can allow patients to fully restore their health. The pumps are currently used to support patients with severe heart failure whilst they wait for transplant, but they, they say it seems to be sorting the problem out. I love I love things like this because the the um, the amazing things that they can do now and the the striding forward is just phenomenal, absolutely amazing. It really is. Uh, the Stockholm truck killer made boasts on WhatsApp. It turns out he was a failed asylum seeker. This is the one who'd had his application turned down. In fact, on that day, on that day, it had been turned down. Uh, Johnson Boris says Putin must choose toxic Assad. Or the West. It's going to be interesting. They're, they're, sort of, they're sort of throwing it out there to see, you know, whether they're going to uh, catchy-catchy fish on this one. Also, the UK's care home lottery, which I talked about earlier on in the programme, that depending on where you live, it becomes a little bit of a lottery because what we do with our elderly people is we shove them in care homes. Or, failing that, elderly people get their family to, you know, they've got a house they rent out, which you've heard because we have people around here who've done exactly the same with an elderly relative, and it can be anything. 3,000 a month is about average. That's £36,000 a year. £36,000 a year. I mean, some places are a fortune. A fortune. I mean, it really is. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a huge amount of money. You begin to wonder what you get for it. And the answer is you get round-the-clock round the care. You get food and everything like that. And you get, uh, hopefully, uh, the best treatment you can get. We know that there are rogue care homes that fall through the net. And uh, and those ones get exposed very quickly, and they move people into a into a better place. Uh, Sweden has now realised the danger of its open door policy, says Ross Clark, the political commentator for the Express, and he he outlines that. Um, also, the the bitter feud of the mega rich family over this time three million pounds worth of ju- of jewels. It's almost it's almost like we are we're us arguing about a suite, isn't it? And somebody's arguing about three million pounds worth of jewels. Jim Broadbent. His acting career is uh, is still going strong at 67, but he admits getting the roles he wants at his age has become difficult. My God, if it's difficult for Jim Broadbent, what hope for everybody else? I never know why people want to be actors. I never know, because uh, sometimes it, you, know, you go on to find uh, riches, but then some people just keep going, don't they? You know, some people, I mean, look at, look at Joan Collins out there. Uh, Maggie is, of course, out there. All these people are well in years, well advanced in years, and yet still working and still giving probably some of their best work. There's a woman here called Iris. Uh, Iris is a is a little treasure, uh, and um, she's a, centair- a centarian. I think she's a hundred and three, a hundred and three, uh, and she says that uh, the biggest regret in her long life is not getting drunk more often. Imagine worrying about that at 103. She enjoyed the celebratory sparkly white. She had Prosecco and she ate cake, she says. It made her feel younger. I thought I was 21, she said. Teresa, sorry, Tessa, not Teresa, Tessa Gorman, who looks after Miss Essery at the home, says she's got a wicked sense of humour. Of course, yeah, she's 103. What people have, isn't it? They have wicked senses of, uh, of humour. And why not, for goodness sake? They always, I think, you know, once you get to 103, I think you can behave as disgracefully as you want. I don't think you need to stand on ceremony with uh, with anybody at all. I really don't. I think it, it's just ridiculous. You sort of you, you you must really behave badly. You know, create as much uh, as much merry hell as you possibly can. Makes it more uh, more fun. Okay, quick time check. Uh, the excuse that I have what into behaving badly. 
I don't know, actually. I don't know. What would be the uh, thing that I would have? I don't know. I don't think I do behave that. I can be... Uh, I'm a bit Victor Meldrew. It's, I mean, the, I mean the, the problem I just have is blooming shoplifters. <laughs> I wish I wasn't drawn to them. I could see somebody. I, I, I did do the story earlier on, and you can, you can check it out. But uh, it's very, very annoying, you know, seeing shoplifters. Oh, please don't look at them, Stephen. I can't help it. I've been known to sort of hide behind things and peer through at them, <laughs> which is very interesting. I said I saw a police helicopter this morning, uh, and a police car, actually, as we were coming in, which had its lights on, but they're obviously looking for somebody in particular. For some reason, Lisa thinks it was me. I don't think they'd bother. They know where I come from every day. It's easy. I, I, I pass police cars every day. They always pass me, actually. There's just me out in the street and the foxes. Sometimes the foxes are doing better than I am. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a very nice heavy company. 26 minutes to, uh, to 7. I know it's a birthday tomorrow. I think it's Margaret's 80th tomorrow. So many happy returns of the day from, for tomorrow. 80. Goodness sake. It's the new 50, isn't it? 80 is definitely the new 50. I'm, I'm, I meet more people, or I see more people, and they go, so-and-so is 79, so-and-so is 83. And you think, good Lord, it's the new 50. People are looking better. People are, uh, are definitely living much, much longer. When you think the average age in this country many, many years ago was, you know, if, if you made it to 30, you were doing quite well. Now, 80s, 90s, the lady the other day, 103 103, and uh, celebrating her birthday with a bit of Prosecco and a piece of cake. I should imagine she probably hasn't had Prosecco for ages and ages and ages. Uh, front pages of the papers will come round to in a, in a moment. James says, have you seen any one-pound coins yet? No, nothing. Are they bringing out a new pound coin? Surely not. I love the way that Slough is the last person on the universe to ever know about pound coins. And, uh, and Steve says, have you ever walked uh, up the monument in Pudding? Of course I have. Above, honestly, listen, I've worked in London for more than 45 years, <laughs> 30. Um, of course I've walked out them. I've done everything. I've been, to, I've been everywhere. I don't think there's anywhere I've not been, actually, although I'm quite sure somebody will now surprise me. Uh, little Judy says, at last I've got a new pound coin. Isn't it amazing, actually? Isn't it amazing that you... Uh, another one here. Whether or not you're a diabetic, you automatically stop paying for prescriptions when you reach 60, says Ian. Free prescription, is it, for 60-year-olds, is it? Oh, blimey. When did that happen? Uh, my first car insurance, says Richard, uh, in 1974, when I was just 17, was £11 per annum, just under a week's pay at that time. The car was uh, uh, a two-seater sports. Happy days, he said. God, dear, I can't remember mine at the uh, at how much mine was back in 1974. I think there was a one, one period I didn't actually pay for insurance. I didn't have any insurance because they didn't have the police recognition cameras. I was a bit naughty, actually. For about three weeks, I drove with no insurance. And when I did pay it, I'm sure it was only like 29 quid. If I hadn't been in this business, if I wasn't in this business, my insurance would be a lot cheaper, a lot cheaper. It's only because I'm in radio, on the radio. I told you before, I know people who fib and tell them they're not on the radio. But uh, then if they find out, if you have an accident, your insurance is invalid. Front pages of the papers, um, all of them, without exception, are uh, talking about the thousands who lined the streets for the police hero of Westminster's terror attack. I think just to see all those police officers with their heads bowed was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. The heart disease breakthrough, which I told you about earlier. And uh, George and Charlotte, will they steal the show at Aunt Pippa's wedding day? Oh dear, just don't let Spencer Matthews anywhere near people at this. He'll be trying to milk it for as much publicity. Hello, Spencer Matthews. Yes, we've seen you on the television. We've been advised to stay well away from you. Uh, He's not allowed to take his girlfriend at the moment. She's apparently called Vogue. Uh, nobody knows who she is. She's apparently model, you know, as everybody is nowadays. I always think if you sort of, you can't think of anything for somebody, just go model. 
And so she's not uh, going because they don't want her to uh, to upstage. And she's been dropped from quite a few things. She said, I'm, I'm used to being rejected, which is quite sweet because nobody I've ever spoken to knows who she is. Johnson's Russian ultimatum. This is uh, Boris Johnson on the front page of The Eye. The gas attack is a game changer. The Kremlin must ditch Assad or pay, warns the Foreign Secretary. Slightly disturbed by these words, or pay. Uh, Putin accused of toxifying relations with the rest of the world as the G7 nations meet to prepare a response. What are they going to say? What are, I wouldn't like to be able to hazard a guess on that one at all. Uh, also, uh, the funding of the HIV drug raises fears of a postcode lottery. We get that all the time, don't we? First of all, we've had it a short while ago with care homes. Now we've got it with an HIV drug. Uh, the Times have got... Uh, a police officer with his head bowed as the cortege goes past. Very moving. A lot of thousands of people went out there to bid farewell to PC Palmer because he didn't know, as indeed do, does anybody. At the beginning of your shift, what's going to happen by the end of the day? And uh, in the case of uh, him, they tried to save him, but it was it was just a lost cause, I'm afraid. So thousands turned out the other day. Uh, number one, Dad. Daddy, I think it had on the front page in, in Flowers. Daily Mail... Picture of here comes Charlotte, the bridesmaid. I hope she behaves badly. I would love to think that she gets there, throws throws her posy down on the floor and stamps on it and bursts into tears and screams the place down. That's what you really hope, don't you? But I think what they'll be doing, they'll be rehearsing her. They'll walk her down the church. And of course, because you have to do it with loads of people watching. So you have to make out that she's got a really good job. And she'll be doing it with, uh, with uh, George at Pippa's wedding. And I'm assuming that he'll be little page boy and she'll be flower girl. I think that's how it works. And there'll presumably be other people as well. Uh, plus the council tax rocketing for millions of people and then the fat cats raking in more than the Prime Minister. So there's 539 fat cats raking in more than the Prime Minister. Unbelievable, isn't it, really? But there again, there's people running railways making more than the Prime Minister, making almost double what the Prime Minister makes. Uh, the new Mail Vogue editor will be telling you what to wear. Of course, they've become quite indignant about this, the papers. First time, I think, in its history it's ever had a male editor, and people say, but what does he know about it? Well, probably as much as anybody else. Why do you think one woman running a, a magazine knows what every woman wants to wear? Everybody's different. Who'd have thought years ago that sort of cheap clothing outlets like Primark would be the places that all the girls flock to? And the men. Because they're looking for cheap clothes. What they want is clothes that don't cost an arm and a leg. They've got these baskets in Primark, which you fill up with stuff. Because, you know, filling it up only means you're going to spend about 30 quid, which is what you could spend on one outfit from Vic Beckham. And that's supposed to be the affordable stuff. People want a whole summer's worth. You know, tops, little shorts, blah, blah, blah. They want it all. They want it, they want it cheap. So it comes from places where they can turn clothing out very, very cheaply. Very, very cheaply indeed. And so that's why. Picture on the... Uh, oh, I thought it was a story. And it's so annoying when they do uh, the front page of a paper and it turns out to be an advert. So you have to sort of open up to get the paper's front page. Otherwise you've got an advert and it's just somebody holding an Easter egg. Uh, the Marines lose 200 posts to man the Navy's £6.2 billion aircraft carriers. So Royal Marines lose people. Where they go to, I've got no idea. The head of the uh, Navy struck the deal last week amid fears that the Marines face sharp cuts because of a hole in defence spending. So 200 posts will be transferred from the Marines, which have 7,000 personnel in total, as the Navy struggles to find enough sailors to crew the biggest warships Britain's ever had. And they are big. 
They are seriously big, these uh, places. Um, uh, bogus pain tests used to ration hip operation. Also, the five ingredients for a happy life. Would you like to know what the five ingredients are for a happy life? To make you sort of a happier person. Don't worry if you don't fit into, this, into these categories. Because some of you who might not fit into these categories. Uh, having a fruitful and happy life requires five key attributes. Okay? Emotional stability. <laughs> you out straight away, isn't it? Emotional stability. Determination. <laughs> Second one you're losing on as well, aren't you? Third one is um, control. No, again, it's not looking promising, is it? Not looking promising. Optimism. Yeah, you're fairly optimistic, I think. And conscientious. Yeah, you're not that one either, are you, really? So, people in their 50s and 60s who scored highly... I mean, he's heading there, 32, you know, pushing 50. Uh, were generally wealthier. Definitely not. Definitely not. Also, less depressed, healthy, and had a large number of friends. I don't know. What is a large number of friends? I don't know if it's a ridiculous thing to ask you. But, you know, people sort of say, oh, what did you do at the weekend? And you go, well, actually, last weekend I was very lazy. I didn't actually do anything because I like that a bit of building up me time to sort of, you know, try and sort of rest and do the, do the usual sort of things you're supposed to do for the, for the longer life. But how many friends are you supposed to have? And is there a difference between friends and acquaintances? Do you go out with acquaintances in the same way you go out with friends? I mean, how many numbers have you got in your phone book? How many do you call on a regular basis? Probably, I would think, I've probably got about don't know, 10 friends, 20 friends. I don't know. I don't know. I speak to lots of people, you know, and but I don't know which ones are friends and which ones are acquaintances because I've got thousands of phone numbers in here. Thousands of But I don't I don't think they're all friends. I think they're just people I've bumped into and I say, can I have your phone number? Actually, I don't do that because then people say, can I have your phone number? And I go, no, you can't. Stalker. Said that to the producer. I said, don't, don't start that malarkey with me. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, they've got here uh, the making of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because uh, Jack Nicholson is 80. 80? I mean, good Lord above, honestly. It's obviously something. Um, and a picture here of a 13-year-old girl uh, from Worcester. First child in Britain to have received an artificial heart. Good Lord. Uh, Chloe Narbon had the device installed. It's an artificial heart. Uh, in a nine-hour operation that involved 30 staff at the Royal Brompton, which is a specialist heart and lung hospital in London, the artificial heart kept the then 12-year-old girl alive until a human heart became available a few weeks later. And it's amazing. Chloe, first child after a nine-hour operation. Absolutely unbelievable. And kept her alive until she got uh, another heart. Um, she was diagnosed with this uh, dilated... Uh, diomapathy when she was four weeks old. Her heart failed when she was 11 and still at primary. She then had a stroke whilst waiting for a new heart and when that first transplant failed to work, she was left close to death. Um, at that point, medics decided an artificial heart was the only option. And so she, uh, she had it. Andre Simmon, the director of heart and lung transplantation, flew back early from a conference in America to operate on Chloe last May. Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely Amazing. So the first person, it was the only way to keep her alive. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Financial Times. Financial Times, front page. It's the uh, the citizens and the police honouring the fallen officer yesterday. All the papers are full of that. And as I say, nobody could fail to be uh, moved by it. Uh, plus the Barclays chief facing sanctions and a pay cut for pursuit of a whistleblower. And United flying into this. Oh, dear. Not looking promising for poor United. 
Uh, the story you know by now. If you don't, you'll have to see it. Up. Just put in United on YouTube. That'll probably get you there. And then you could see exactly what went on on a flight. It, it probably happens all the time, but they don't normally go this rough on people. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Somebody says you can count your, tu- uh, your true friends on one hand. You think? I mean, I th- I mean I, what is the definition of a true friend? I think a true friend is somebody you can phone up at any time of the day or night, FaceTime them... And sort of go, hi. And they go, you're drinking again. And that's, you know, that's, I, d- I think that's a true friend. Or somebody would say, listen, do you want me to, you know, get the car out and come and run you to the airport? Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. I don't know. It's a true friend, somebody you confide in. You tell your innermost secrets, you know. Or is a, is a true friend just somebody who's there for you? Somebody who looks after your back and everything else. I think, that's, I think it's probably that, isn't it? It's somebody that you would talk to about anything. And you would hope that they wouldn't tell other people. You told them as a, as a confidence. Well, of course, it's hopeless telling me. I'm rubbish at things like that. I can't keep anything secret for love nor money. Nick Ferrari will be here at 7 o'clock this morning. And coming up uh, on his breakfast programme, Boris Johnson says Russia could face more sanctions over Syria. Are further sanctions the right way to deal with Putin? Labour is to declare war on late payments to small businesses as Jeremy Corbyn gives a major speech on business policy later today. And how can we stop the spread of that dangerous drug spice on our streets as police in Manchester deal with no less than 58 incidents in one weekend? Very difficult dealing with people on drugs. They suffer psychosis, hallucinations, paranoia, uh, all because of this, this drug called spice, which will no doubt be creeping down here. So when you see people by the side of the road... And uh, and they look as though they're mad. They probably are if they've taken this. It's cheap. It's cheap. That's why they've got 58 incidents in one weekend. It's a fiver. A fiver a wrap. If they're paying 20 quid for, for cannabis, this is a cheaper way. They think it's to help them sleep, but it just makes them paranoid. And you know what some people are like? They'll actually take anything. They'll put anything into their into their bodies because they don't know what's in it or what it's made of. And that's, that's the huge problem nowadays, isn't it? That if you are somebody who likes taking drugs... Well, then you are going to you're going to probably see this one. You can see the evidence in the papers today. They think it's a huge problem, a huge problem. And uh, I think it's uh, I think it's only going to get worse, actually. And uh, Matt in Bromley, I've used that gag for years. I have used to have on my one man shows people singing for my auntie, uh, who was 111, 111. I used to sit for somebody in the audience. Her name's Mary. She's 111. And so they all sing happy birthday. I go, I'm terribly sorry. She's ill. Always used to bring the house down, that one one of my winning lines, I think. Uh, Steve, my husband's run off with my best friend. I really miss her. (laughs) That's always a good one, isn't it? Thank you very much indeed. I I like things like that. I like it when it's sort of simple. People are complaining about jokes left, right and centre nowadays. Very shortly, you won't be allowed to tell jokes. There'll be somebody who'll be complaining about it. And uh, Vogue Williams used to be married to Brian McFadden. That's Kerry Katona's ex. So is a Z-list celebrity, says Kay in Romford. Oh, dear. It is terrible, isn't it? When you sort of... I mean, it's awful when nobody knows who you are, but you sort of think, but I, sh- I should be somebody. No, you're just a model who's married to Brian McFadden. I'm going to keep that pretty quiet, wouldn't you? I'd keep that very quiet. Uh, Steve and uh, Stephen Sidcup says that... Uh, he says, my mother-in-law won the Diabetics UK lottery. She's 75 and won £1,000. Lovely. £1,000. I could do with something like that. But, uh, no, not really. Not really. Uh, so, true friends on one hand. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know whether that's true or not. But as I say, I'd like to know the difference between acquaintances and true friends. Daily Star. Uh, Premier Star Ross attacked on Night Out. 
It's a footballer who goes into a club in a bar and gets attacked by somebody for no apparent reason. Uh, the moving farewell to the copper who died defending us all. Tears for a hero. And um, they've got lots of pictures in all the papers today. Defiant Trump snub for Putin. And um, Nessie. So somebody's tried to register Nessie for Brexit. But of course, obviously a bit of a joke, really, because Nessie doesn't exist. And you can't register somebody who doesn't exist, can you? For what might happen in a few years' time. I mean, personally, what I'd like them to do is pull the plug on Loch Ness, empty the whole thing, and then go, see? Nothing. Nothing at all in it. But of course, it would never happen. There's apparently supposed to be an underground network of caves. Another load of old baloney, isn't it? Uh, Vogue, who is Spencer Matthews' at-the-moment girlfriend, was married to Brian McFadden, says Chris. Yes, I mean, well, in fact, he was out with somebody else the other day, wasn't he? Uh, she was over in Ireland. But, of course, I mean, Spencer Matthews. Who cares? A nobody. A nobody. I think I'll be a presenter, he said once. And we all went, I don't think so. <laughs> it's not going to last. And I'm sure this choir made up of people who've had uh, children missing, who they're going to put on Britain's Got Talent. That's not what the programme's about. I don't think the programme's about that. That's a, that'd, that'd be a charity choir, wouldn't it? That's not... This is for people who sort of juggle with dogs or something and sort of fire-eat marmosettes. I don't know. But it's not sort of a charity choir because it's got Kate McCann in it. I don't think the public are going to buy into that one at all. But I'm sure they've been on television. I've just got in the back of my mind. I'm sure they were. The Daily Mirror. The Westminster Police Constable laid to rest. And um, also scandalous on the front of the mirror. That's a good word for them. Uh, exposed how the Tory cuts have led to shocking North Sound divides on the quality of care for Britain's elderly. And they do get treated quite badly, don't they, in certain places. Other places, we're lovely to them, but there's rogue places that creep in and uh, take their money and then creep out again. Uh, Mr Nasty, uh, Simon Cowell. I don't know why people ever called him Mr Nasty. He was never nasty. He was always just telling the truth, being accurate. He was just sort of saying, you know, you're rubbish, you can't sing. And that's when the, the, the Chawner family turned up en masse, like a herd of elephants from a Disney movie, shouting the odds and throwing things and just being particularly revolting. And uh, they've not improved with life, I'm afraid. They've just got worse and worse and worse. And um, and so they now say that Simon Cowell is Mr Nice. But he's always been Mr Nice. He's always offered the best advice. The best advice that you could ever have because he knows what he's talking about. It's when people, you know, don't know what they're actually talking about that it means that they, they can come across as nice. I mean, we can all sit there, can't we? That's what we do. That's why you like Gogglebox or Googlebox or whatever it is now. Because it's people with an opinion. So they watch the television and go, this is rubbish. You know, I do it all the time. I get paid for doing it. They don't actually get paid for doing it. I get paid for doing it because I'm, I'm a critic the same as everybody else. We all sit there and go, I think that's absolutely awful. It's like, you know, you see another pop star. They've, they've signed another pop star up for, I think, a, a celebrity bake-off show. He's uh, somebody from Union J, but I can't remember what his name is. Doesn't really help, does it? But there again, you might have forgotten most of them by now. Uh, what else we got? Oh, yes, Simon Cowell is a bit peeved that he hasn't got a knighthood. And um, and Ross Barkley deserved a 2am bar attack for trying to blag all the birds, according to a gangster involved in a previous bust-up with him. A gangster? Good Lord, what country are we living in at the moment? But anyway, that's what he gets for trying to blag all the birds. Uh, Giggsy and his wife in the cash war. She wants the divorce and uh, <coughs> going for the money. As indeed you would, wouldn't you, really? He doesn't exactly have a great track record. Uh, the fisherman, this this um, shark that they, they netted, eight foot long and 400 pounds. Now, I don't know what 400 pounds looks like, but uh, judging by the picture of this uh, of this shark, they called it a Cornish nasty. It's huge. I mean, eight foot seems just enormous to me. Uh, also, 
TV Peter, TV Peter, a skirty old man. This is commentator Peter Alice caused a sexism row by referring <coughs> to the short skirts worn by golf hero Sergio Garcia's fiance. I don't think you're allowed to say things like that, are you? Are you allowed to make uh, mention of somebody's short skirt? But he did. Apparently it was uh, an off-the-mic remark. Oh, you always get off-the-mic remarks. Although I was always told, every time you've got a microphone, don't say anything uh, near it, which is uh, absolutely terrible, because somebody might hear it. I'm liking Tom Jones's Beverly Hills Mansion. That features in most of the papers today. Just so you can see how cluttered it is. It looks like, as my friend would say, Helena, it's a dusting nightmare. I mean, he must have an, an army of staff. Actually, it's, when I look at it, I mean, the, the pool is beautiful. The, um, the view is sensational. The house is, uh, is very nice indeed. And the entrance hall, but it's just so cluttered. I mean, he's got mirrors all over the place, as indeed you would expect Tom Jones to have. But, um, it, and it's got a nice kitchen, but nothing, nothing particularly special about it. It's just the fact that it is the green, green brass of home. It's also got his uh, master bedroom, foyer and bathroom. Oh, very exciting. Because the Americans like lots of bathrooms. I've discovered that. Whenever I've gone online to look at properties in America, just out of curiosity, or I've read Country Life, and they have a, a special moment on uh, beautiful places they go, uh, six bed, twelve and a half bath. And apparently they seem to have two bathrooms for just about everybody. It's just, it's, uh, it's amazing, really. And, uh, and you look at some of these lovely places in Florida on these high rises and you think, that's nice. These places are very, very nice. They're just, you just, it's just a long way to go, isn't it, really, for it. So we, we don't really sort of bother. Anyway, that's just about it for this morning. I think we've just about managed to cover everything today. I didn't get round to the carers, £51,000 fraud. We might, might weave them in tomorrow. Uh, Billy the Pigeon we did uh, Simon Cowell peeved uh, Knitting apparently is uh, is better than sex Who wrote that article? How ridiculous thing And the man who was banged up over a sausage But then he was a, a pest and deserved to go to prison uh, The Town Hall Fat Cats we did The new Male Vogue editor uh, Vicky and her not so posh range But you know, it's okay if you like that kind of thing The Spice Addicts, I think that's a big story I think it'll, it's in Manchester at the moment. 58 people have had to deal with the police, like they don't have enough things to deal with. Uh, the kids who can't join the scouts because there's not enough volunteers to look after them because they need vetting. Uh, the best view in the United Kingdom. There's one in Cambridge. I like Stonehenge. I quite like that. That's good. Uh, also, the 50,000 foreign students who stay here every year. They stay here, and then when they finish their education, uh, if they're doing education, they then stay here. The 15 kittens dumped in the street, but they've all been found homes, which is good. And the main story running today, the tears for a hero, a fitting farewell to uh, PC Keith Palmer. Have yourself a lovely day. Thank you very much indeed for your company. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. And uh, I've got a free podcast for you very, very shortly. You find out uh, by getting the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet on the LBC website. Leading Britain's conversation at 10 in for James O'Brien. It's Majid Nawaz. But coming up next with breakfast... Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.